Hello there, my friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and today we are going to be talking about the astrology of December 2021. I am joined by my partner in crime from inside the house, Miss Tanya Andrews. How are you doing, hey, Tanya? Everybody. I'm great. Glad to be here. It is always a delight to be here with you on your show, in addition to in your house. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. So we are, I'm seeing some nice uh, sharing in the chat. If you are with us today, let us know where you're coming from today. And um, <clears throat> see, we've got CB from Knoxville checking in. Tarya from Finland. Hello, Tarya. June is checking in from Maui, Hawaii. Hello, June. And Jackie is, is here from Asheville, North Carolina. And Jackie moved again. Oh, that's interesting. Well, uh, a jet setter, so to speak. So, um, so th thank you for all of you joining us today and hope that you are all doing well and having a good week. Um, I think we're in the post-food coma here a little bit ourselves. Um, Tanya and I are both Taurus moons. We go moons. big. <laughs> yeah, so we're both Taurus moons, so we uh, like to eat. So we kind of do a little bit of a festive sport cooking around this time of year. Um, so yeah, uh, so I hope that all of you have had a, a lovely holiday. Um, Despite some of the mixed emotions around it, I think that that do definitely come up, and we want to acknowledge some of that, as well as the mm -hmm. some of the challenges of this this holiday week and some of the the history uh, behind it as well as, and you know maybe try to reimagine it on some level that's uh, more realistic and and acknowledges that in addition to being a day of gratitude and celebration, it also is a day of mourning for a lot of people as well. So. Um, I think we want to make that clear. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we've got more people stopping in, Tanya. Uh, we've got Dimphy here from the Netherlands. Dimphy! Fion is here. Um, Fiona? Fion? Um, and we've got that from Ireland. Interesting. Hello. Welcome. Uh, Craig, my friend Craig is here from Iowa City. Welcome, Craig. And Tara is here from Toronto. So we've got people checking in from all corners of the globe. So that is very exciting. I'm always excited to see folks checking in here. I love uh, how cosmopolitan your crowd is. It's cool. I really enjoy that. I really enjoy getting these perspectives from all the corners of the globe. Um, so today we're going to be talking about the astrology of December. Um, before we get to all that, and we're gonna we're probably gonna be hanging out with you for a couple hours and going on a deep dive in some of these uh, astrological significances of the transits, and we're gonna talk a little bit about the each de decanic section of time and break things down within those ten degree sections of the zodiac. We've got two Sagittarius decans we're gonna be uh, looking at in December and one Capricorn decan. Um, but before we get to that, uh, we have some interesting uh black friday type deals for you today <laughs> um so tanya do you want to share some of the things that you've got going on with your your work yeah um so i do luxury planetary root work um i've done a lot of kind of conjure and hoodoo and um, african-american traditional magic for a long time and i expanded that to kind of start to encompass a lot of astrological elements um so i make herb blends and oils and bath salts. And I have a little example here. So this is like one of the herb blends. So you can see that that's one something that I made um, during the recent Venus in Libra, which is 
it's a nice energy to kind of trap it. Like the the cool thing about astrological magic is it's like you're you're making jam. Like you can just kind of like capture a little bit of that good energy while it's available and like bottle it up for later when you need it, especially at times like now when, you know, we've got just like oodles of malefic energy and you wish you had a little, little whisper of that goodness. Um, so I definitely love, you know, a lot of the things that I make and I often am getting high on my own supply. I make, um, <laughs> this we're is the wearing, thing like this is just, stuff today, so. we're, we're like soaking in it. We're soaking <laughs> in, in Venus energy. Yeah. You're soaking in it. It's, um, yeah, it's nice. This is something that I just, I can't stop doing anyway. And I figure if, if I'm making it, I might as well be sharing it with people as well. So like I have here, this is a Venus bath salt. So you can sort of see it. And there's real copper that goes in it. Yeah. And these were made during a third Deccan Libra election, correct? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So this yeah. one was, uh, had some spica elements in it as mm -hmm, well. Mm -hmm. um, that beautiful, beautiful, blessed spica energy, just really peaceful, really blessed, just a lot of positivity. And it's, it's such a nice energy. I really am liking using these products. <laughs> yeah. You made like a, a Nervine oil. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was talking to um, Ursula Rising about things to do with um, those elections around that time. And she made the really kind of astute observation that everyone is just stressed out to the max and that a nice thing to do would be to make some kind of nervine and calming mm -hmm. element things. So I did some herb blends that had just a lot of um, naturally soothing things in it, your chamomile, lavender, colt's foot, skullcap, you know, lots of things that are really Venusian, but also really calming. Um, so I just, I really like that one. That's an, um, an herb blend and an oil and a bath. So I just kind of like made the, the trifecta of all those things, but I also made one that was more of like a glamour magic. So it's just really leaning into that kind of like beauty and the, the charm kind of aspect. So it's I very use, I use that as a beard oil today, you know, my, we're just, just rubbing. <laughs> yeah. It's got that glow just blinging, blinging on all burners. Right. Um, yeah. So I have those things in my shop. Um, there's going to be more coming. Um, I've been a little busy with my Thanksgiving preparations and kind of just all the cooking that I love to do because my Taurus moon demands it. Um, and I'll have more things up in the shop probably later today. Very cool. Yeah. That third decan of Libra is a sort of an eye of the hurricane calm within the storm type of decan. So um, I've been kind of utilizing that those oils uh, to, I don't know, just to feel a little bit of peace of mind uh, in, in turbulent times sometimes. So it's really good for that kind of thing. So I can, I can vouch for it. I also wear the Venus and Taurus oil that, that she made, which is really cool, the green goddess stuff. And since I have a Taurus moon, it really works well for me. And a lot of people have commented on my radio voice. <laughs> maybe, I can, maybe I can attribute some of the some of that good stuff to to her glamour glamorous venus and taurus oil but um yeah so check out tanya at thirdcoastmojo.com and there is an etsy shop there as well um and yeah support your your local your local businesses here uh, i don't know how local <laughs> as far yeah, as not, as local, not out, local not local to your, most your of you friendly local astrologer yeah. and uh friendly neighborhood astrologers yeah. <laughs> um and i also have a, a deal going on today uh, I, we, we have a, a Friday, Black Friday flash sale going for my Deccan webinars. Um, 
uh, the decans of Virgo, Libra, and Scorpio are in my store on my website, spencermichaud.com, and they are 50% off until the end of Sunday. So if you've been kind of waiting or they were looking a little pricey, they're 50% off for the next few days, and you can check those out. We go over tarot card placements. We go over uh, the mythology associated with the 10-degree sections. We talk about... Um, you know, we talk about diamonds and spirits. It's quite a journey. And there's some really nice discussion uh, afterwards as well that, that gave us some additional insights. So you'll get about two to three hours worth of, of webinar for each of those uh, decanic flashcards, audio and video, and the PDF of the slides. So uh, check that out. There's a link in the description of this video or on the SoundCloud if you're listening later on. And um, yeah, check it out. Uh, and we're also still having signups right now for the Decans of Sagittarius webinar that's going to be on the 11th of December. There's an early bird pricing special for 20% off on that uh, until Monday the 1st. So uh, I would love to see all of you there. I'm really enjoying these webinars and the interactions I'm having with people as I'm, I'm going on deep dive of these signs and, and teaching and learning along with you. Um, all right. You, you go, you go so hard on those. Like you just, people don't even understand that you're like pouring your heart and soul into every one of those that you make. And there's just so much information in there. Like people who participate in those probably come away. They're just like, Oh, cool. I got to just drink from the fire hose on that one. <laughs> well, <laughs> well T Tanya gets to live with me during those periods of time <laughs> where I'm surrounded by like stacks of like 10 to 20 books and pulling things out and like, um, that's the reason why I only do a one of these a month right now, because I really do, it's, I am dumping all of my, you know, all the different stuff I've been learning into these webinars. So it's not just the decans, it's kind of just an amalgamation of where I'm at in my understanding with the astrological signs, which, um, I, I definitely am, am thorough. <laughs> that's the main, that's the main, uh, comment that I get in testimonials is very thorough. <laughs> very it's, thorough. It's true. It's true. You're so, like, you're like half a step back from that, like conspiracy bulletin board where there's just yes. like stickers everywhere and like red string going everywhere. And just like Demetra's book is like stapled to the wall. And like, <laughs> so hopefully I'm providing value. That's, that's my main concern is trying to bring you the essence of these decans and really um, utilizing all these different lenses that we look through to be able to get to the core meaning and help people find useful practical value for utilizing these in their lives and their astrological practices as well. So, um, so check those out. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's, it's a nice way that I get to interact with a lot of you as well, face to face. So um, I hope to see you there. All right, I see it a few more people stopping in. Andrea, Andrea, Andrea is here from Croatia. Nice to see you, Space Space Tiger Tarot. So I'll give them a shout. Hey. Check check, out, check them out on Instagram. Um, maybe we'll have Andrea on the show uh, at some point. I really enjoy Andrea's talk uh, uh, take on things. So um, keep your eyes peeled. Uh, and then JJ is here from the Netherlands as well. Welcome, JJ. Thank you for, for coming. And I see Lisa is in the chat from New York. Welcome, Lisa. All right. So those are our Black Friday plugs. Um, you know, it's not always something that Tanya and I are, are comfortable doing, shill shilling our wares. But, you know, we're trying to make a living being astrologers and, and root workers and things like that. So we've got some bills to pay. And I think if you want to think about what you'd be supporting, 
the two of us, I think, have a dream to live in some <laughs> old, big house that we has want the, just we a want lot the of house character. for practical magic. Yeah, we want the no, practical also, magic. <laughs> yeah. But also, the thing about that is like, you know, if you feel good about something you've made, like it doesn't do any good if it's just sitting on your shelf and you don't tell anybody. Like, right. but it's just like, I've got this thing. It's so good, but no one can know because I'm very modest. But I think it's okay to kind of be like, hey, like, you know, you put a lot of heart and soul into everything you do. And yeah, we're both it's 12, okay. It's okay both, to tell people. We're both 12 house <laughs> sons. So like, you know, shining our solar light isn't always the most comfortable thing for us, but we're we're getting there. We're We're learning together how to team up and do stuff like this so thank you for all the support that that you have uh done tanya and thank you for all of you out there i am so thankful for you as an audience and appreciate all the support that you've been giving me on this channel um over the years and and what we've built together so very grateful for all of you okay should we move forward Are we ready to roll all right my friends so I'm going to pull up the chart of December here, and we are going to take a look at what we've got. Okay, so, excuse me. We are looking at December 1st, 2021, and we're going to start off with the sun in the very final minutes of Sagittarius 1, but it will move into the second decan of Sagittarius um, throughout this day. So just a recap on Sagittarius 1, and you can kind of check this out in the astrology of November that I did with Hot Grub recently. I talked about it a lot more in that presentation. Um, but Sagittarius 1 is really about um, speed, enthusiasm, almost being overtaken by a, a mission. Uh, there was a daimon associated with that called Loimos, uh, recently in my uh, Decans of Scorpio talk, we talked a lot about returning form to the earth and separating body from spirit. And now when we get into Sagittarius season, we have separated from the old form that was no longer vital. And we have this like transcendent spirit that is searching for and traveling all right, whether it's physically or in the mind, for some new target, some new goal to infuse and to find a body to carry that enthusiasm and that spirit in. So what we may have been experiencing, you know, right now as the sun is in Sagittarius 1, as we record this in the end of November, is we, we may be feeling a little bit lighter, hopefully, and we're, we're trying to figure out what the new target is for this enthusiasm that we have and sharing our enthusiasm like Tanya and I just did for the work that we, we do. And we're going to be moving into a decan, the second decan of Sagittarius, which Austin Coppock calls the bridal. So we started out with Austin Coppock's name, the poisoned arrow. So an arrow trying to find a target. And now in Sagittarius 2, which we're going to be seeing starting on December 1st and going all the way to December 11th, we have um, a moon Mars ruled Deccan that is called Great Strength in, I believe that's the Book of Toth, and then Strength in Book T. I could be reversing those, but, but the, the gist of it is we have a goal. We have something that we're enthusiastic about. We have now 
the need and desire to fuse that with some kind of chariot or body. Think the fusion of, you know, the centaur with a, a human half, top half and a horse body. We need something to carry that mission forward. Uh, we've got two fixed stars in this decan, Antares at 10 degrees, which is the heart of the scorpion, and Ras al at 16 degrees, Sagittarius, which is the, um, the star in the head of Hercules. So what I'm seeing with this, Tanya, is, mm -hmm. you know, Austin Kopic talks a lot about confrontation with a nemesis in this decan, where there is like friction or heat that that steals your resolve towards your mission do you have do you have some thoughts on that now you're a sagittarius sun so you've gone through some I'm, of these things sun and venus I'm right live, living it living yeah. it yeah yeah i mean i think like one of the things when i think about sagittarius is that just that really jupiter that jovial kind of expansiveness um but here you you can feel it's it's running up against the the borders of reality and, and constriction and challenge and so like that arrow gets kind of like loosed from the shaft and it's like rocketing towards its goal. But now it's going to like, like once you've set that idea free, once you've set that plan in motion, you know, you're going to be dealing with reality. Like, you know, you're, you're prepared for a fight until you get punched in the face. And this is like the deck end where like that first punch lands and it's like, oh my gosh, like this is real. And like that kind of like, like conflict and embodiment, that martial energy yeah. is something that you're going to experience as you kind of are like like fighting to bring something into reality and i think that that kind of that that tension between expansion and contraction um can get pretty intense in this in this area yeah and we've got this this nine of wands card and in it we see a figure that is kind of like standing he's, all, his he's already been punched in the face yeah, exactly <laughs> He's he's seen some stuff. He's had yes. some experiences. He's he's sustained some injuries, but he's ready to like still kick some ass. I think I I think of like that movie Kick Ass with this. Remember that <laughs> where he just like got his butt kicked over and over again, but he was yep. kept going. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This is an interesting time of year. You know, Liz Green in her book The Astrology of Fate talks a lot about the proliferation energy of Zeus and Zeus, you know, being the, the Greek, you know, version of Jupiter. Right. And there's, but, but she's, she brings in this dichotomy of Zeus's relationship with Hera, his wife, who is sort of that limiting factor that like binding factor. So we've got Zeus kind of tossing it around to all these different mortals and gods and procreating but he still is beholden to this equal right they are they are exact equals they're they're which is really funny because zeus is supposed to be like you know the all-powerful and all this but he has like this you know very uh interesting marriage um and and i think that you're you were hitting the nail on the head as far as you know when we have a vision sometimes we have to deal with some of the the realities or of physical incarnation and how do we take that that enthusiastic spirit and begin to figure out what is possible what isn't sometimes we have to fight to bring a vision into being um there it's sort of like forged in the fire you know like uh there's a spirit associated with this decan called uh Kore or the maiden um which Austin Kopic really talks about Persephone in her role as Praxidike, who is like the exactor of justice. So, you know, Persephone 
was also an underworld queen eventually with Hades. So there is this kind of like, I don't know, harshness a little bit to this deck in um, where you've got to like, I don't know, unify the body and the spirit to, to move forward. Courage, tenacity, right? Developing yeah. the will. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, the, that's the canvas that we're going to be painting all of these aspects on from the 1st of, of December to December 11th. Mm-hmm. Um, so just a couple big picture things with this deck. And we've got the new moon eclipse on the 4th. Uh, we have the first quarter moon on the 10th. And then uh, Neptune stations direct on the 11th. One other thing I wanted to point out is the host of the sun during this time period is Jupiter or Zeus. And we want to look at what Zeus is providing for the sun. We recently had a Mercury Kazemi. Uh, Well, we haven't recently had it yet as of this recording. We will have. (laughs) We will have it, right? Um, But as of of December 1st, we will have had a, a download from Olympus. That's coming, what, Sunday, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. that's coming on Sunday. So pay attention to messages you receive on Sunday. And Jupiter is in that decan of Aquarius, which is really about leaving the past behind, about untying old karmic knots to be able to move forward and to be able to create some kind of new reality. And yes, there is endings that are happening, like Jupiter brings honor and merit through saturnian endings so i really think we're, we're really clearing the decks for the end of the year here before we get into jupiter and pisces season have you been mm-hmm. you've been feeling that energy tanya oh for sure yeah this is just a time of year i think i'm a little bit biased because i have a late december birthday but this this time of year like heading into december is always kind of that like final review period where it's just like just as the season kind of is, you know, like fall is wrapping up and we're heading into that like kind of point where it ticks over into winter. So Mm -hmm. to me, it's a time, it feels like a personal new year, but I think also just seasonally, like it's a really interesting point. Like those kind of weeks leading up to the solstice are a time when it's like, everything's kind of fallen away and you're just like looking at the bones that are left and kind of being like, all right, like, what did I do with this year? Like, what Mm -hmm. did I do with this chunk of time? That's, that's right behind me you know, what do I need to leave behind? What am I going to take forward? You know, what do I need to work towards? Where did I end up? Mm-hmm. Just a lot of um, kind of questions and looking at where you've been and where you're going. I'd like to also mention too, that this is kind of one of those scenarios where, you know, Jupiter is like everyone's favorite greater benefic, but mm-hmm. he doesn't have a ton of, of power right now. Like he's kind yeah. of at the final, the final degrees of a sign where, you know, he's just, he's looking at the door. Like he got called back in like he just got home into Pisces and then got like pulled back in for another shift in, you know, in Saturn the, land. the Saturnian salt mine. It's right. like, okay, I'll come back for a little bit, but I, I'm out of here soon. And so like, he's just watching the clock at this point. <laughs> Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And it's really interesting. You were talking about the, you know, seeing what's at the core of things. I was meditating a lot on this because I really, I enjoy matching zodiacal signs up with seasonal like realities Mm -hmm. and since you know this this form of astrology was created in the northern hemisphere i'm going to kind of for our our northern hemisphere right i'm going to stick with that a little bit i know that there's some controversy about it and and definitely that these are archetypal forces 
But for me, living in this kind of like northern hemisphere area, Sagittarius season is when all the leaves have fallen off the trees and that the vision of Sagittarius, the long range like vision is you can actually see, literally see further into the horizon without all mm -hmm. the leaves and all the distractions of all the little beauty, beautiful things on the trees. It's good for bird watching. Yeah, exactly. So you get you get to see the birds, <laughs> you, get, you get to see the the core of something on some level as well and the, the some of the fun, fundamental structures of things i think this plays into the the saturn saturn series as well with with capricorn and aquarius as we we see the structural elements during this time frame in the northern hemisphere and we have an awareness of those things rather than all the the gloss mm -hmm. so i wanted to mm -hmm. point that out too because that was something that was kind of was thinking a lot about during this period of time all right, so let's dive in a little bit to some of the uh, the nitty gritties for this period of time. I, you know, it was a holiday, and Mercury's in Sagittarius. So my, my brain, <laughs> my brain this week, Tanya was was broad strokes. It hard, was it was hard. hard Sam, yeah, hard it's Sam, hard. Buddy. It's hard. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's really hard for someone with a lot of Virgo placements during this period of time, and I, I just getting the the normal, like, I'm going to, you know, examine everything with a microscope type of thing was, was, it just didn't feel in alignment with the Tao or with the time at this time. So I'm going to give you some more broad strokes for these, these things uh, today. Um, but if you have questions, put them in the chat box. I'm happy to answer questions about what we're doing here and, and what's going on. I would say that the first thing that I wanted to talk about was we do have a, a solar eclipse that is happening on December the 4th. There we go. So this is December the 4th, 2021. And we have the second in a series of eclipses that we've been going through. We, we are in currently the what we call the Bardot period or the liminal space where the changes are really happening, where things are really unsettled. And once we get to December 4th here, um, we're going to see a, a, a new moon solar eclipse at 12 degrees of Sagittarius. Mercury is co-present with the eclipse. The south node is also there. So this one, I always get a little confused with south node new moon eclipses because it feels like there's a, a push and a pull between new energy and like the energy going out. How do, you, how do you look at that and resolve that tension? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's such a big chapter marker. Like whenever you have an eclipse like this, like things are, when things are going out, other things are coming in. You know, mm -hmm. it's like you have to, you have to make space for something before the new manifestations can kind of flow in. Like yeah. if your, your cup is already full, like you can't pour more into it. And so this is like kind of an energy that's going to, going to pull some of that out for you and help kind of like clear the decks a little bit more too, in terms of just really like, this is a time when things that you don't need are going to be like, like, and you're going to kind of look back and be like, Oh, like it may feel like sometimes these eclipses, can feel like it's taking things away from you. And you're like, no, I wanted that. Like you want to just hold on to things, but yeah, it's, um, it's time to say well, sayonara. To and we need no to release serves. things that are like belief based too. Right. Mm -hmm, you know, with this, mm -hmm. with, this is the last eclipse that we're going to have for a while with the nodes in Gemini and Sagittarius. And yeah. we've all been going through this need to have more flexibility with the, the North node in Gemini and releasing some old, you know, outworn belief systems that we hold dear. I'm seeing a really great comment from 
from RC here that Sagittarius is the faith journey through the darkness that leads to the light. I agree oh, I with love that. that. Yeah, that's great because, you know, we, this is the last sign before the winter solstice where mm -hmm. the, the sun will return to its, you know, increase, right? It's the darkest, we're getting to the darkest period of the year. We've got this like, oh, we just got to get over the finish yeah. line type of thing. The darkest timeline. Yeah, and like the the, you know, recently... I don't know. I was talking earlier in the show about mixed feelings about Thanksgiving and, and having to come to terms with the reality of it. And, and Mercury was on the South Node yesterday, I believe, wasn't it? We were getting close mm -hmm. to that. And I was just seeing some of the, a lot of the public conversation about the history of Thanksgiving and some of the, the challenging um, realities that we're having to come to terms with as far as what actually happened and what we are celebrating and, and things like that and uh it was hard for me on some level to let go of like my feelings of well this was just the time that i spent with my family and like it was you know something like that but it was very difficult to like feel like oh i have a you know that it, it may not be based on something that was was real you know and then mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. coming to terms with that and the the reality of that was a very mercury south node experience and it's important to do that because i think that we're moving into a new air consciousness that is more egalitarian i hope um the jupiter saturn conjunction uh, last solstice um really ushered in this new kind of experience, hopefully, and we're going through the Pluto return of the United States, where we're re coming to a reckoning with the history of the United States. We're trying to get clear about, and you know, acknowledging some of the the really difficult parts of our history, while hopefully utilizing that awareness to create something that's more fair and balanced, and that acknowledges those things, so we can move forward without ignoring that or sweeping it under the rug or whitewashing or whatever you want to do. You know what I'm saying? Um, and we've seen, it is, it, it, it really affected me seeing a lot of those stories. And it's not that I didn't know about, you know, some of the history of Thanksgiving, um, but it, it just feels now that the, the volume on those things has been turned way up as it should. Mm -hmm. And having to kind of process some of those mixed emotions because again like I, i've i've come from a you know i i come from a place of privilege where you know just being a white american male like sometimes you at, in the past you didn't have to think about these things and and I, my family would get together for thanksgiving and it was more about about that to me but i think that the, the conversation is changing and i wonder if you have thoughts on that and reflections on that as well tanya yeah for sure i mean the thing about this country is we have such a deep, dark shadow, like there's so much kind of beautiful potential in America, but it, there's also just so many skeletons, literal and metaphorical in our collective closet. And like, you know, we know that we're on, you know, land that didn't belong to us originally. Um, here in Michigan, where we are, we were on um, the Potawatomi land and you know, you, it's important to kind of take a minute and think about the people that were here first and people that came before us. And it's painful to have something that feels as positive, especially I think for our like very like family and food oriented moons, like yeah. Thanksgiving is a really wonderful holiday because it's like, oh, all these like 
like the celebration of the harvest and like all this wonderful food that you enjoy and time with your family. And like all those things are, are great and positive. And I hope that there's kind of a way that we can, you know, feel that gratitude and enjoy the togetherness and, you know, some of the traditions that, that you like, but also take a minute to be like, you know what, we're not celebrating colonizer culture. You know, we're not celebrating genocide. You know, there's a lot of work to be done to kind of rectify all the wrongs that kind of led to where we're at at this moment in history. And, you know, it's a, it's a balance that's really challenging emotionally, I think, for, you know, lots of people. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And maybe we can reframe that holiday in, in terms of Zeus or Jupiter on some level. <laughs> I've seen, <laughs> I've seen some people try like, like talk about that as well. Cause it's the, it, Jupiter's number is four. It's the fourth Thursday of every uh, Sagittarius, uh, well, of, of November in Sagittarius mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. And maybe it, it could be more of that kind of like Zeus celebration of the harvest, <laughs> uh, gratitude. Um, I don't know. I, I think. What's can that? I, what I wanted to pipe in real quick too was um, a lot of the spices that we associate with your, your pumpkin pie and your apple pie and your kind of like fall holiday spices a lot of them, like your, your clove, um, you know, like anything that's, that's fragrant and formerly expensive is associated with um, Jupiter. And so I use yeah. them in my kind of Jupiter incense blends, but also like they just go into like cooking and pumpkin pie. And so I'm in the kitchen, like grinding my spices and like whispering into the mortar about their connection to the, the cosmic, you know, yeah, Jupiter that's a, energy. That's a great point about the ingredients too. I was reading an article that was taking a little bit of a, a educating view it was a, a, an, an indigenous chef that was talking about both the history but then also the sort of giving us a turnaround like talking about the type of ingredients that we cook with and a lot of them being mm. you know from the land and 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 things of that nature and um it's really that's a that's a fascinating approach to me as well and and we've got some really cool questions coming in to the chat box here um, and I don't want to bum people out, but I, I do think it's important to acknowledge those things and be realistic about where we're at with this and, and maybe try to meditate on that as a community as well and, and how we want to move forward with some of these rituals that we have, especially, and I, bring, I brought that up specifically because of the South Node in Sagittarius, where we're seeing these old belief systems being processed and like really being released and saying we need to kind of create a new narrative around this not one that that doesn't acknowledge that past but one that includes it and also hopefully we can i don't know make the proper adjustments to both acknowledge and then move forward in something that's more appropriate um so some of the questions and comments we've got coming here Lisa has a question for someday. How does astrology influence the way you budget your resources or does oh. it? That is a great question, Lisa. Um, she says it's a very Venus and Capricorn question. It is. I love um, it. That's a, that is a good question. I'm going to put a pin in that one until we get to Venus in Capricorn. Can you remind me, Lisa, in the chat when we get to that point? Because I think that would be a great discussion topic for Venus and Capricorn. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a pin in that. And we'll get to that in a second. But I have I have thoughts on that for sure. Um, Martha says, Mercury in the South Node, do you see those linked to endings and 
mortality and asking us to live with more awareness of finite time. Mm. I'll toss mm. that to you, Tanya. What do you think? Yeah, I, I really like that. I mean, the awareness of finite time, that's definitely something that kind of fits really nicely with this point in time. And like, because what does it make you feel? You know, a little bit of fear, yes, but also gratitude. Yeah. That it's like when you realize that something isn't going to be there forever, um, it, you know, you really savor it. And I, I think that there's kind of that like, like savoring life energy to this time too, that comes from that kind of bittersweet feeling of like, you know, there's, there's death and things are falling away and there's things that you're really cherishing. I, well, th I like I think that about, you just came through the tunnels of Scorpio mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, I'm yeah, so glad he... I faced death. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm so happy to be alive. Let's party. On the other side. Right. Exactly. So I think yeah. that th th through that awareness that time is finite and is temporal and not, and we, we live in these impermanent mortal coils that, um, you know, that helps us to appreciate what we have and, and seize the day on some level. Yeah, that's um, great. I like that a lot. We've got another good comment here. RC is saying, uh, there's a gravitas to Jupiter and Saturn's season that is suggestive of history, ancestors, the dead, and traditions. Loving the input about the spices. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. I agree. Like we're, we're kind of taking a, a longer range view. Again, I really, I, the, the, seeing the horizon and being able to see the sky and the core of like the shadows of the trees really is like speaking to me in an oracular fashion for this time of year, because we are being able to see into the heart of things and see great distances. And, and, you know, a lot of modern astrologers would call these placements transcendental, you know, where they were more communal and collective where we're seeing big picture type of things. So uh, I, I like that comment as well. Um, Lisa is saying, I think it's appropriate to reevaluate our values around our traditions. Great point. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's, like I said, I, it's, it's a difficult thing to talk about. And I, I've, I've, hopefully I'm treating it with the respect that it deserves. And I think a lot of the things, the beginning of healing from those is having the conversations, is both having the trauma being seen and then start brainstorming on the solutions to move forward right mm -hmm. a lot of the things that i was thinking about with scorpio was shining the light on the difficult traumatic experiences helps mm -hmm. to begin the healing process so mm -hmm. um i think that's what we're going through as a community right now as well yeah do do your ancestor work people yeah. so good can i can i answer one random yeah, question that i saw too the pumpkin being jupiter um that is so cute. And I love that the astrological significances of different food is something that I'm kind of continuing to research. So squashes and things that, that kind of become globular and, and grow rapidly um, tend to be associated with the moon, but with everything there, it's, there's very few foods that are just purely one planetary energy. So like the, the pumpkin does have a lot of like moon significations, but also definitely Jupiter because it's so like abundant and large and kind of like coming to something where it's, it's very celebratory, like it's sweet, it's nutritious, it's has abundant seeds. And so like, much like Zeus, abundant seed for all. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it does have a lot of Jupiter's significations. That is a really astute he was observation. Really, he was really I like that a lot. Around. I'm actually curious as to what Zeus is going to bring us in our 
uh, media consumption. Because oh, <laughs> Tanya, man. Tanya and I. There's, and there is the show. Can we can we swear on your channel? Oh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. So there's there's that new show that's that's called Fuckboy Island. Um, <laughs> Tell me about this. <laughs> Um, I'm just like, I'm, I'm thinking about all the movies we watched during Scorpio season and all the oh like su surprise penises that they There's contained. So many, so many <laughs> unexpected genitals. Mars was like, here's a penis and here's a penis. <laughs> like, oh, you want watching a family show? How about a penis? <laughs> so I, I thought that that was very funny. Um, you know, we're watching this with our teenage daughter too, like who is almost yeah. an adult. So I, I yeah, but it's a, still then you're a getting that you're getting that Mars. We were getting that Mars Uranus opposition. Yeah. Where it's just like, yeah, surprise, was, <laughs> surprise. Here's a dick. <laughs> like, yeah, there's this movie for those of you who haven't seen it. There's this movie called Spy with Melissa McCarthy and Jude Law in it, which looks it's hilarious. It was a and great it's super movie. Funny. Yeah, it was, it was very really funny. Very good. Uh, very silly. And then, but there's just ran, this random penis that they were just like doubling down on over well, it was and over like, It was again. like a bit. It was a bit where they were looking yeah. through someone's phone or something. Right. And they were like, there are a lot of, you know, you know dick pics in here. Yeah. <laughs> and they could have just said it, but they, they showed it. It was like, it was <laughs> repeatedly. It, we were like, oh God, what's going on? Penises. And we were like, ha ha, <laughs> the human body is natural and beautiful. Um. Yeah, Tanya and I tend to be a little bit like sort of reserved when it comes to some of those things i think we're a little we're a little bashful uh so we're kind of like oh we we laughed it off but it was still a little bit like uh i think both of our families were a little bit prudish <laughs> like, eh, a little but then, a little bit but that little wasn't bit. the only one then we watched yeah. um super what was it superstar pop star pop then we star. watched pop star, pop with star. The yeah. island dudes. Yeah, with with uh what's and his then name? With um, uh, Andy Samberg. And Andy Samberg. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then there was another scene involving right. full with a penis. Nudity. <laughs> male like, male nudity. And we were like, whoa. We're like, oh my God, there's there's penis number three. And then we've been watching on uh, Netflix this this really cool animated show, um, Arcane, which is uh based on the League of Legends video game, but really beautiful, um, really beautiful animation and then Sumptuous. i don't know if there was a penis in that one but there was definitely there some wasn't. unexpected Thank nudity thankfully there was there was no it was 100 genital free which right. wasn't <laughs> kind of a nice conclusion to scorpio there season. you go so, so we were very happy to so slide you, into sagittarius season you got us mars someone, someone is saying it's the season <laughs> of the action movie and that's true now yeah, it's we just movie time. we just started the hawkeye series the marvel hawkeye series which is the ultimate sagittarius show with like an literally an archer superhero literal, <laughs> so, literal action show so with archers. i thought that was that was pretty funny um but anyway a little sidetrack sorry, i thought sorry. that was that was a little <laughs> bit of our our experience lately with scorpio season but I guess that was a, 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 a funny way of saying that we've been liberated and appreciating the, the darkness a little bit. Now, now we're in Sagittarius and we're ready to liberate spirit to find a new vehicle and a new goal. So again, this eclipse is going to be really important for finding a new vehicle for your enthusiasm. Um, it's going to be hosted by Jupiter in the last decan of Aquarius. So again, I really have a feeling that, yes, there will be new starts with this one, but this one's still about untying the past, untying the karmic knot of the past, clearing the decks so that you can do something 
new that is based on a new set of belief systems or or some new flexibility or something of that nature um so you know recognize that you may have to let go of a cherished uh illusion or something of that nature to be able to move forward much like you know i i was having this i was struggling with you know coming to terms with the reality of of thanksgiving and that holiday because like tanya was saying we, we both are really into eating <laughs> like so so for Food, foodies yeah usually it's like i'm like oh i love this holiday i love thanksgiving and then it was but then there's just you know having to come to terms with the the reality of the history was definitely sobering and um you know hopefully we can reappropriate that in a way that maybe is focused more on on the the reality of the story and finding gratitude and, and and things of that nature in a more Zeus Zeusian type of way potentially all right so let's move forward um, from that eclipse and we are seeing next on the sixth you know we're, we're we were starting the month off in that balsamic phase so we have this balsamic moon in the very beginning of the month we hit the new moon at the eclipse um, you know, be careful at eclipses. I, I, they're not like, you know, people say don't charge your crystals and things like that. They're generally considered malefic events. Um, so do your, wh who do who do we pray to at the the um, new moon solar eclipse with uh, K2 there? K2, right? We do yeah. K2 ritual. Yeah. You, you, so this, this is something where you, you pray for the energy of this time to, to carry away delusion and to carry away what no longer serves you because it's, it's a, it's a, it's a severing, it's a devouring, it's a kind of excreting energy. And, you know, you want it to kind of like focus on the stuff that you do want, you know, carried out, you know, take out the, the cosmic trash, if you will, rather than filling up with this energy or like saving it for later. Like you, you don't want to like hold on to it. You want to kind of like let it do its thing and then flow, flow on by. So yeah, you kind yeah. of like work with that energy to, to use what it's for and then let it go. Well, and the fine folks at Sphere and Sundry have a really oh, nice yeah. write-up on different eclipse rituals. Fantastico. Um, yeah, so check out check out um, their treatment of both eclipses here. Mm -hmm. And um, we, we do a K2 one where we're offering black rice and black salt. And I think one of the key things that I'm asking for in that ritual practice is only remove that which is necessary in a, in the gentlest possible way, because we will have to let go of something. Mm, um, and mm -hmm. if we come to terms with it, though, I think that's key. So look at the Sagittarius part of your chart. <clears throat> I know for me personally, that's my fifth house as a Leo ascendant. And this may be the beginning of my, my, my daughter starting to move into adulthood, right? Uh, so she's going to be 18 in January and moving on to college and next you know, roughly six months from that eclipse. So you can see that it's the beginning of like a release. Uh, so I can already know, I already feel that that's probably what it's going to be about for me. Um, so so look at the Sagittarius house of your chart and kind of meditate on, on that type of thing. Okay, so if we look at the sixth here, the next aspect we have is a, is a sextile between Mars and Pluto. Um, you know, we've got... Mars moving through the final degrees of, of Scorpio in the Deccan with the Seven of Cups. Um, that's really releasing illusion, um, being able to come to terms with like the fact that some kind of form is no longer vital. 
And it's matching up with that third decan of Capricorn, which is about sort of the administrative um, systems within our life. So maybe there is something where we're letting go of an illusion around an authority figure or something around this period of time. We also have Venus and and, uh, Pluto starting to come together, preparing for Venus's retrograde that we'll get to in a second. Uh, Any like quick thoughts on a a Mars-Pluto sextile here? We'll go through these quickly. Yeah, um, Mars and Pluto. So that is, I sextile is such a nice, gentle energy, um, but those are two such intense planets in intense places. So, you know, this may be kind of a, a constructive experience of that kind of like, like that heating up of that Plutonic energy. Like, so there's, you know, there may be secrets that kind of come to the surface, but in kind of a constructive way, there may be necessary conflict. There may be things that happen where it gets spicy, but like there's a kind of a good reason for it. And it's kind of like moving you in a productive direction. Like sextile feels like a very gentle kind of productive energy between those two kind of difficult planets. Yeah. And and if we look at the nature of aspects via the Thema Mundi, you know, the sextile was of the nature of Venus. So I tend to see uh, sextiles as like something that we should allow to happen on some level and and allow us receiving some kind of purification, which is associated with Venus or receiving some kind of assistance type of thing. So Mm -hmm. this might be one where you don't necessarily have to do anything. You just have to open yourself up to, you know, eliminating the old form that isn't vital and be willing to look sort of underneath the rug and sweep the the shit out, you know, sweep the garbage out type of thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, we Lisa's talking about that the, the topics we've been discussing came up at family dinner last night, which is which is interesting. You know, we're all on the the late wavelength on some level. Um, well, I see daughters going off to college. Right, we've got Martha and Lisa. I right. We we feel for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Martha. We're yeah. I know Lisa and I have had some good conversations about parenting and, and whatnot. So I, I think that you know we're getting to the age in our some of us here in our 40s 50s whatever however old we are at this point late 30s i don't know whenever you had your kid <laughs> it's it's definitely an interesting time where our parents are starting to get older and our kids are growing up it's a it's a little bit of a strange strange time that that midlife uh sort of crisis <laughs> type of thing uh and then martha is saying that thanksgiving is also a holiday that was polarized at a time of polarized political stances around the civil war that's oh, for sure. Point. For sure. Yeah. yeah, it was uh, some aspects of it. I, I was listening to some things about that where they were talking about how they were like, the country has to come back together. Like this needs to be about a time where we're grateful that we even have a country. Right. Um, and so, yes, that is a, yeah, there's a lot of people that had kind of a lot of motivations to create a holiday where, you know, it was about celebrating certain aspects of America, like just existing. And again, like there's, you know, that's pretty fraught. There's a lot to unpack. I, I yeah, think that, yeah, it's so true. I think, I mean, you know, my, my, my last thoughts on this is that it is definitely an important reflective meditative exercise to come to terms with the reality of these situations. I also don't think that we should completely lose the, the spirit of gratitude, though. I think that, that, that I, hopefully people are starting to incorporate into this <laughs> yeah that's our cat Gandalf he's like yeah. screaming gratitude <laughs> yeah. 
or he's just reliving the horrors of of uh, colonization. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I don't know. Poor son. One of those two poor things. Poor fur baby. Um, I think that as we come to terms with, um, you know, our history and really trying to move forward and and we need to kind of give give the turnaround as well. I think it's really, really easy to get really fixated on what is wrong. And I think it's important to like equally envision what we want, you know, what would be fair? What would it look like for an equitable society? What, what you know, organizational capacities as a, as a community, you know? And so I, I, I don't know. A little bit of the Sagittarian hope, I guess, is oh, for sure, right. and and justice. That justice. kind of like having yeah. a philosophy that you know what is fair. You know, when right. I when I was a little Sagittarian baby, I was I was always like, it's not fair. What? Mm. <laughs> it's not fair. Right. Right. <laughs> and when I would get exposed to the the horrors of the world, like I when I would counter racism or like all those things, I'd just be like, it's not fair. Someone fix this. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, but now we're all, we're all adults and this is a great time to kind of like take that on and be like, we can be the ones who start to fix this, you know? So where in your life do you want things to be more, more just, more, more beautiful? Where do you want to fix your philosophy that's old and janky? Mm, absolutely. And, and, you know, being able to look yourself in the mirror every once mm-hmm. in a while too, and, and, and acknowledge where we all have certain blind spots about things is important. That's, that's really the the fundamental part of humility, you know, I think that when we get in a lot of troubles and we say, well, I believe this and I'm just going to stick to this old belief and, and I'm not willing to change is when we, when we get stuck, that's, that's when we really get the, the challenging emotions, the challenging actions and just being willing to change with time. Cause that's all it is. It's just change, you know? And I think that's that's very important. Okay, let's move on to the next thing that we've got here. Mm-hmm. On the seventh, next day here, we've got a, a Mercury. Uh, we've got a Mercury Neptune square uh, on December the seventh. So some fuzzy, <laughs> some fuzzy logic maybe coming around this period of time. Um, Mercury, you, go ahead. Do you find that like Neptune just jacks up mercury like no other planet like like the aspects between the two just seem so like like mercury is just like no it's a mess it's a foggy fucking mess not a fan of neptune it is probably one of my least favorite planets uh i think because my personal lived experience of neptune transits are uh i get really tired and i get really like spaced out and for a person that likes to feel in control, I feel very out of control during those periods of time. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like mm, just fuzzy and mm-hmm. it's very uncomfortable for me. I'm not, I'm really not, I really don't like it. So I think that, you know, especially with Mercury, because Mercury is that planet that is trying to differentiate between things mm-hmm. when it matches up with Neptune. Um, it screws it up. So I, mm-hmm. I think that it's important during this, the, this, the days leading up to this, this aspect in particular, double check all your details. Um, be sure that what your Mercury will have moved into the third decan of Sagittarius and we'll, we'll break, 
Sagittarius three down in, in depth in a minute, but that Deccan is really about, you know, carrying, uh, sacrificing the body for a goal. And Neptune in Pisces three is about what are you willing to sacrifice for your internal vision? Like, so th there are two themes here of like sacrificing both the body and, you know, crusading. Um, Everything must go. And they're both in Jupiter ruled signs, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that it's, it's a, there's some going to be some conflict between like, what are you willing to give up to do this? And is it real? Is it worth it? You know, is this vision something that, that is, you know, able to be achieved? Um, and, you know, this isn't the favorite place for Mercury as well, being in its exile in Sagittarius. So um, just double check all the details. Try not to get blinded by, um, I don't know, an unrealistic dream or something mm -hmm. of that nature as well. Yeah, definitely. I would say that's a great time to kind of like schedule some some downtime for yourself if you can at all. Um, I see a, a comment in there that says it's at the back the poetry. Yeah. And so that's like, you know, Mercury in Sagittarius isn't the most like coherent or articulate in a traditional way. Mm -hmm. But part of that that thing with poetry is, is shuffling things up in kind of an unconventional way. And you throw in that Neptune energy. And it's, it's very dreamy, it's very destructured. And so kind of that might be a great time to make some art or like, you know, take in a movie or like do something where you kind of like feed your creative soul or like, you know, take on kind of some spiritual pursuits, but it's not a great time for doing practical thinky things. So like yeah. give, give your brain a break that day. It yeah, li it. Living in the, the, the <laughs> metaphorical archetypal world, right? Yeah, like yeah. Seeing, seeing things not as they actually are but maybe into the essence of those things, right? Mm -hmm. So like sometimes when we look at symbols, it, you, you know, one thing can be representative of a concept or of something else. So I think that we may be able to utilize this energy to tap into that kind of thinking a lot more. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's move forward. As we move forward, we have a on the 8th, we have one of the, I would say, the difficult aspects of this decanic series, where we have Mars making an overcoming square to Jupiter. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, yeah. Um, of course, Mars is in the third decan of Scorpio and Jupiter in the third decan of Aquarius. Both are in the house of, of malefics, or, you know, in Mars's case, very powerful in its own nocturnal domicile. Mars is in the overcoming square position, which in Hellenistic astrology is, is sort of like that planet is exerting power over the other planet. Um, my initial thoughts is we've got Mars as, a, as in, a, in a place of severing old illusions, making uh, it sort of difficult to, to move forward and to leave you know, the past behind and untie the karmic knots. Like there's something that could be kind of painful around that. Um, do you have some reflections on this placement, Tanya? Mm -hmm. or yeah, I mean, I think like that kind of that Jupiter amplifies so much and Mars is so strong and so kind of like Mar like martial, like that kind of like like violent, stabby, scorpionic energy. And it's kind of like this is that kind of like like kick in the shins as it goes out the door of, you know, this particular 
sign that it's in. So Mars is just kind of like giving a final like, like ah, like that kick. Yeah, and I think one, that one final surprise penis. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that final, that final kick, the final, you know, that final. There's going to be a little final surprise there. So I think that that's a time to kind of like watch out for for your conflicts and for things kind of getting out of hand, like with that level of expansion that can be happening, especially well, if it's going to be manifesting in a negative way, since right. Mars is in, in the car that's like driving up behind and, and shooting. Yeah, and Mars, you know, in my Scorpio Deccan's presentation, I, I referenced Liz Green's thoughts of Mars as being this very instinctual survival instinct. Mm. And it, it, it really makes a lot of sense to me that we, we could have something bubbling up from our chthonic depths, um, you know, where we're feeling like our survival's threatened or we're feeling rage bubbling up. And of course, with it contacting Jupiter, it may blow that feeling out of proportion. And we may have to really work very hard to keep our, our equilibrium and our keep our head so to speak this is this is also the similar degrees where the last eclipse that we had was with the sun opposite the moon um where this, where the moon was conjoined algal so this may be activating some of those themes hopefully all of you have survived that eclipse so far and haven't lost your head um <clears throat> yeah we yeah there was a you know we, we recently had the the heliacal rising of mars too uh, where it separated from 15 degrees to the sun. And actually, the, the, the day that that was happening, we had the, the the very tragic events in Waukesha, Wisconsin, which is actually a place that my 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 dad and my uh, my family grew up in Waukesha, Wisconsin. I, I spent a lot of my time in Waukesha, and uh, my grandparents lived there for a very long time. And, um, you know, you had somebody in a, literally in a red SUV driving through a parade, you know, as Mars was making its its heliacal rising, just a very, I don't know, a horrific, tragic yeah. event, like yeah. an, an accident not, or a, a misfortune, you mm -hmm. know. So that it's to me was chaotic, was violent. total chaos, violence. Um, that was the most prominent public thing that I witnessed as far as like that heliacal rising of Mars. And I really do encourage all of you to to take a look at the synodic cycles of planets and see when they are escaping the beams of the sun, whether it's Mercury, Mars, Venus, and Saturn especially, we're going to have a, a Saturn Kazemi coming up early next year um, because really prominent events happen at those moments of phasis that they call them. Like last year when Saturn was making its heliacal setting, that's when we had the, that was on January 6th where we had the, the stuff going on at the Capitol. So um, I see times. Yeah, crazy stuff. So, all right. So we've got this square between Mars and Jupiter. Hopefully, I think that the the way maybe to resolve this tension is release the old form that isn't providing you with vitality. Um, if you're trying to hold on to something in the past, all sorts of debauchery can take place. Um, that was the the name for this decan that Mars is in. Um, so if we willingly return those forms to the earth and, and liberate the energy, you know, we're going to have a lot better time when Mars moves into Sagittarius shortly after, and then you're going to be able to direct your will and your energy towards something that is hopefully more uh, 
indicative of who you are now and not who you were in the past. Mm-hmm. All right. So let me see. I'm looking at the comment section. Mercury, square Neptune, Martha says, might also show challenges to articulating dreams, visions, and finding words to express both trauma and healing. Okay, I like that. Sag mm-hmm. can go overboard and Mars can aggressively push this energy, definitely. Lisa says, I've been <clears throat> experiencing the disconnect of my heart and head, the logical choice versus what my desire is, wondering if they can be married at some point down the road. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's this an, could... That's an ongoing process. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, I think it's one day at a time. <laughs> you know, I mm-hmm. think it's one day at a time with that. And we may be experiencing a little bit of that at this Mars-Jupiter square where we have these very intense emotions based on what has happened in the past. And we have this very real need to move on uh, in an objective fashion and to detach. So this Mm -hmm. is the conflict of intense emotional involvement versus detachment that we might be feeling on the 8th of December here. All right, so as we move forward, we get to December the 10th, and here we are seeing the first quarter moon. So this is the point in time, and here we'll see at about 18 degrees of Pisces, the moon will be making a square to the 18 degree, uh, 19, 18, 19 degrees here, Sagittarius sun. Okay, so there we go. So we have, uh, again, echoing some of the similar themes that we had when we were talking about the Mercury-Neptune square will be, you know, exacerbated with the moon and the sun shining light on, on that issue and the moon bringing it into form on some level. Um, you have a first quarter moon in your chart, Tanya. What, how do you live this, uh, this, this transit type of aspect? Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of an ongoing unfoldment that there's always kind of that struggle between like getting the ideas and then grounding them down into the physical form. Like that's, there's the real kind of like dichotomy between the spiritual and the abstract and the the nebulousness and kind of like dragging it down and anchoring it into something like, mm-hmm. and that kind of feeling like you, you have so much that you want to birth forth. And this is kind of like that, that point where it feels like that, that pang of like struggling to kind of like bring something forth, that kind of birthing pain um, can feel really palpable. Yeah. Yeah. This is the, the, the first quarter crisis, right? Where we're trying to bring something into being from that new moon. And here we may have some challenges between, you know, infusing the physical vehicle with that internal dream and learning about, I don't know, sort of the rules of the matrix. I've been, you know, Austin Coppock's book really talks about Pisces and sort of, <clears throat> language that makes me think a lot of like Neo and him realizing that he has more power than he originally thought from this almost like spiritual awakening. And it's sort of like the the realization that, oh, I'm a creator with my mind and with my imagination on some level. And that may be part of the, the tension that we feel at this first quarter moon as well. Okay, moving on to the next day, we're going to be seeing uh, Venus making its 
first conjunction with Pluto. So here we have pre-retrograde. And slow. Yeah, Our very so, slow. She's just like crawling. Like I was, I was scanning over elections and looking at that point, and I was like, why is Venus taking so long to get from point A to point B? And then I was like, oh, right. She's about to go retrograde. Right, right. Just, just a snail's pace, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so whenever a planet is stationing, either direct or retrograde, it's, it's slowing down, correct, mm -hmm. Tanya? Okay, so we got- Way slow. Yeah. It's like and, that slow point of the pendulum where it's just like, <laughs> right. And this is another kind of fossus moment, I would say, when, when a planet is stationing. Um, we really, it, the, the power of that planet starts to become sort of concentrated on some level. And here we have Venus in the third decan of Capricorn, uh, which is associated with the four of pentacles, where we have someone literally sitting on a throne of matter clutching his pentacles. Um, this is a solar decan where we're administrating power. We're sort of, I, I like to think of this as the bureaucracy uh, decan where we're dealing with governmental structures. We're dealing with red tape. Um, we're dealing with, uh, we've, we've created the blueprint in the second decan of Capricorn. And now we have to like manage it, like managerial stuff, like, my my lovely little daughter is a third decan Capricorn son, and she wants to She's be a librarian. building her empire. Yeah, she wants to be a librarian, um, but she doesn't just want to be a librarian. She's like, I want to be the director of library services for a community library. So she's already like, I want to be the boss and administrate all the stuff. And I'm like, are you sure about that? Like, that's a lot of responsibility. She's like, yeah. <laughs> like, she's, like, she's like, I'm not afraid to do the hard work or to be unpopular to get the job done. And I'm like, well, that's that's what you need to be able to do in that decan of, of Capricorn for sure. So we're going to be examining how we create unity through our ability to manage our resources, the people in our life, the organizational structures of our life. And there's probably going to be something that's bubbling up from the underworld, aka Pluto, that we're going to have to deal with and cleanse and purify Venus style. This is a, a you know, a secret signification of Venus and Aphrodite in, in, in uh, Greek myth is she, she was all about purification. So it's actually very similar on some levels to Pluto in the way that we think about it in a in a modern context. I, I, I thought that was kind of fascinating. Sam Reynolds has pointed this out in the past too, is they have some, some similarities uh, in the way that we think about them ritualistically. So there may be some stuff coming up from bubbling up from the underworld. <laughs> like Always bubbling, always yeah. be bubbling. So well, and that taken that too, yeah, and that taken too, to me, like when I think about it, it's some of it is the ways that the material world can trap you. Like when mm. you look at the figure in the tarot card, like they, they're holding down the coins with their feet, they've got their hands on the coin, they've got it on their mind. And so it's like the ways that the material world can kind of like trap and weigh you down, mm. or the way that structures or rules or kind of things around you can feel oppressive mm. and you know you need to kind of learn to, to navigate it like what do you need to you know let go of what do you need to move around to like give yourself that freedom yeah. again yeah I, 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 lo I love that because the way I think about Capricorn versus Aquarius is we've got 
boundaries and walls with Saturn, right? Mm -hmm. And Capricorn, you've got everything on the inside of the wall, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and, and Aquarius, it's everything that's outside of the boundary or the wall on some level. So this may be all the things that you're, you know, keeping in internal that you're blocking everything out mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. that may be getting blown open a little bit or cracked open a little bit. Um, so just recognize that if there is an issue that comes up with the administrative systems of your life, potentially in the Capricorn area of your chart, but also related to the Taurus and Libra houses of your personal chart. Like in this case, this is a Leo ascending chart. Um, and in the sixth house of like either health, routine, work that you do that you may feel enslaved to uh, or not get a lot of credit for, is, is relating to your the 10th house of the, what you do publicly, um, maybe the mother also, and the third house of like daily ritual, daily routine, um, I don't know, practical mm, communications and things like that. Uh, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people conflate the sixth house with Virgo and say, oh, it's routine. But I actually think third house is the ritualistic routines. It's the, the, the house of the moon. Um, the joy of the moon. And uh, I don't know, I, I think of it in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as we have Venus kind of like at that, like final, like swing where she looks like she's stopping, there's a lot of kind of pressure at this moment because it feels like she's, you know, about to break through to the other side into Aquarius where the boundaries lift. Right. Um, but she's, she's pulled right back in with that kind of like downswing momentum, like back into Capricorn. So like, things in your life that you may be kind of trying to deal with, like you're not done yet. You're going to yeah. feel this kind of like crisis point inflection with that like strong Plutonic energy. And then it's going to like, you're going to come back and you'll have to figure out all the things that led up to it. And you're going to have to back right up and do it again. Well, you've been dealing with a little bit of this kind of thing. Are you interested in sharing <laughs> some of your experience lately? I mean, so you, I'm having, you, yeah, I'm having some things. Your ascendant is close to this. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, this is going to feel this time it's going to be personal, yeah. <laughs> feel very personal. I mean, and I think too, like that's, you know, when you have a planet that's, that's going, that's hitting a significant part of your chart and kind of like scrubbing over it a couple of times, you're going to have that experience where you think something's going to be happening in a certain area of your life. And you have to like not count your chickens before they're hatched because there's right. going to be rewrites. There's going to be edits. There's going to be changes of plans and changes of agreements and so this is something that's just really like, you know, for me, it's, it's personal. And so it's, you know, feel like I'm, I'm feeling it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You've been... I think we're all, we're all going to be experiencing this because everything is happening somewhere in your chart. And so that's, what's so neat about astrology. Well, and you've been dealing with some challenges about coming to terms with your own relationship with becoming an authority figure and things like that as well. Right. Yep. Climbing, climbing the ladder. I recently became the the manager of the farmer's market. And so kind of taking on more authority has been, you know, something of a challenge for me as a 12, living that, living that 12th house life. I want to yeah. just fade into the background, but sometimes right. you can't. And, um, you know, I think that's maybe something for everyone too, because it's like, you know, Pluto is that darkness and that kind of like hidden thing. So it may be like where you're keeping secrets or where you want to hide 
and like Linus is going to just be scrubbing back and forth over it. Yeah. Getting, and just change, changing <laughs> values too, right? Changing mm-hmm. values that we have around these things. And maybe even, and for you, I've, I've seen you go through the process of envisioning yourself in a different way, you know, in a different capacity, which is, it's inspiring. And it's also like, you know, I could see that there's sometimes it's, it's challenging too. And, and I think that um, that could be part of this on a collective level is you may have differing values about how you uh, are an authority figure in a certain area of your life. Like, so for Tanya, it's very personal since it's a first house transit, but for, uh, for other people, it may be, how do you organize and structure and manage another area of your life? Like in, with this sixth house, it could be your health or it could be, you know, the work that you do behind the scenes type of thing. So um, look at where it's happening in your chart and recognize that there's going to be potentially some reevaluation that's going to be coming up once Venus hits retrograde. Because this, whatever issue bubbles up on the 11th of December, you're going to deal with it again um, later on in the month and into, into January. So, and we'll get to that here. So, Hopefully I haven't given away too many of Tanya's secrets on <laughs> today. It's okay. So I mean, if, if you, if you have met me, you'll be like, that person has significant Capricorn placements. So that's, that's true. You do. <laughs> you are, you're very Capricorn. Um, so we, uh, the, the other thing that's happening on this day is there is a sextile between Mercury and Jupiter. So this is a positive aspect between these two planets Mm-hmm. that may be assisting with some of these issues that we're dealing with with venus and and pluto we always have a mixture of, of elements in the sky and some more difficult than others we have some planets that are helping and some planets that are challenging us so this may be something where you're having some important conversations um, about the load that you are carrying uh, here we have the ten of wands with uh, sagittarius three and is it sustainable and is it something that you can continue to do or do you need to offload some of those responsibilities as well i think that that could be something that it, the combination of these two things comes up for me mm-hmm. all right tanya you ready to move on to uh sagittarius three Woo! everybody was, doing all I was, right i was born there? ready <laughs> digital land <laughs> okay I, I see it can i poke into the the chat for just a second sure, i yeah. see something that's so cute um, Martha is saying that Venus slowly coming into conjunction in a Capricorn Deccan is like the sensuality of mud baths. And mm, I love that. Definitely. <laughs> I definitely recommend therapeutic mud treatments for your, all of our Venus in Capricorn woes. You, you know, get that mud mask on your face while you're, you know, get that earth energy just all, all on you and let it, let it pull out the, the toxins from your pores and your mood. I love it. I love <laughs> it. Mud mask time. Um, I'm just imagining just like dipping in those, that those like hot, hot mud. Right. Where you're just sinking and you're like, it's just like all those sounds, right? <laughs> all right. So we, I am looking at December the 12th now, and we're going to talk about Sagittarius three, the third decan of Sagittarius between 20 degrees Sagittarius. And then the first degree of Capricorn switches over. Um, this is a Saturn Sun Deccan, so I, I, I tend to lean more towards the Chaldean rulers of a Deccan, so Saturn would be apropos in this case. Austin Coppett calls it a horse's skull, 
the Ten of Wands we see here is, is a, a figure that's carrying a number of wands. Uh, he's got his head down and he's trying to get to the, get to the city. Um, he's got a heavy load, a heavy burden. Um, Book T and Book of Toth call this card oppression. And the daimon or spirit is, is Ananke. And Ananke was the primordial goddess of necessity, who was uh, responsible for the compulsion and inevitability of making time spin. Like there's a story about these serpentine coils where uh, Ananke was a, the, the mate of Kronos, not the Saturnian Kronos, but the Kronos is related to time. And they were these two like intertwined serpents that when they would squeeze the egg of creation, it would cause the world to spin or the spindle of fate to, to move. So this is some kind of driving force that's bringing us towards completion. Um, I like to call this deck in the one that's like barn eager. I love that word. I think I first learned that <laughs> word from you. You probably um, did. <laughs> yeah. So barn eager is like when you 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 have a horse that's been on a long journey, and uh, he, he recognizes the familiar territory and is like get that last burst of energy to just make it across the finish line and to, and to get home, you know, and we, we know we're at the very end of a project or we're at the very end of a day and we're just like, oh, I just got to get this done. And then you collapse from exhaustion afterwards. It's that kind of energy where you may be sacrificing the last of your energy to move towards some kind of spiritual goal um, and doing what's necessary. I mean, it's like doing what you have to do to get the job done. And you're an authority with this, having the sun in this deck, in Tanya. So tell us a little a bit treat. more. Yeah, tell us more about your experience of this. I mean, I think that it's it's burdens that you take on, you know, and that's it's about making decisions on like what you're willing to invest that energy in. Like you, you know, you see the man in the card, and like he's just so overwhelmed already. Like he has so many sticks, he can't even see at this point. Like he can't take one more stick. Like, and I think that part of the energy of this deck is like, you know, you're, you're holding as much as you can possibly hold and you can't hold it forever, but you are going to hold on to it until you get back to the, your destination, you know? And so it's that kind of energy where you're just like, you, you've taken on so much, but you're committed and like, you're going to just power through and like, take it where it needs to go, but that's going to take the last of your strength. And so it's like a time to really be kind of budgeting your energy and kind mm. of thinking about like, you know, you can't take on any more. This is part of why Christmas around this time freaks me out so much. Yeah. Because it's like, <laughs> it just feels like so much work. It like you're, you're, work. you're, you're shopping and you're wrapping presents and you're socializing and you're doing all these things. But to me, the energy of this time, as we kind of like slide into the solstice is like, you need to be like wrapping stuff up and like yeah. putting it down and like, you know, reflecting and resting and I think that it's really, really important as we have so much energy in this deck and to kind of like take time to rest when you need it. Like you don't have to carry that bundle of sticks all the time. You get to put it down now and then. <laughs> yeah, I have, to, I have to admit when I was younger, I really disliked this time of year uh, in my early adulthood because it just, I, I tend to live at a much slower pace and everything feels like a lot of pressure to 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 do stuff. And like you said, it's a time to be beginning the hibernation phase on some level. You know, it's like, how do we get everything done so we can finally like rest? <laughs> you know, and like, mm -hmm. um, so I, I think that 
you know, and, and I've, I've watched you over the years, like a decade or more here, um, carry very heavy, you know, weights, um, literally and figuratively. <laughs> this is right. She's very strong. strong. Tanya strong is very, like bear. very strong. Um, <laughs> you were a distance runner as well, right? In, yeah, in that's where school. I learned the, the barn eager term from was my cross country yeah. coach would like shout it at us angrily and be like, oh, now y'all are barn eager. <laughs> everyone has energy again suddenly more laps <laughs> i think a cross-country runner is a great a great symbol of this decan because you know you've expressed to me in the past that you would the reason you were so successful is that you were able to endure pain more than other people and just ride your body until just utter collapse right i wanted the race to be over so badly like yeah. I, I was a good runner because i just hated to run so much i was like the sooner i get done the sooner i can stop doing this thing which i hate yeah well and <laughs> also not like a great motivation for life <laughs> no, like, it's, it's not. not a driving force that you want to like no. hold on to <laughs> but and i've also witnessed you carry like literally like just the heaviest stuff ever like my my early one of my early nicknames for tanya in a very playful way was like pack mule because you just feel to carry all these like like super heavy stuff like way way heavier than I could carry and she's always like like I don't know like moving six bags yeah, it's, it's insane <laughs> I'm that I'm that person who doesn't I don't like taking multiple maybe some of you will relate to this I yeah. hate taking multiple trips up from the car with groceries so I just like keep loading the bags like onto my arm until I'm just like bristling with bags and yeah. like just struggling. Like I'm some kind of like Scottish strongman competition person, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. up the driveway, but just for like to save myself a five minute, like, I don't want to go back out. I'm just going to yeah. like break myself carrying like every bag that I've got <laughs> all at once. Well, and, and Lisa's pointing out that when you have, when he says, when you have had to go to the bathroom and you're almost there, sometimes your body gets ahead of itself and accidents can happen and that's funny because sagittarius this, this is deck this deccan is the the clench that clench that you have to feel you're just like just crossing your legs for like five right. more minutes for five more just just hold it until you get into the bathroom um until we can have the the release of the return of the of the solar year again of the light uh and, and you know that's interesting lisa too is that sagittarius is the sixth house in the Thema Mundi, uh, the joy of Mars, accidents, illnesses, and injuries, and like having to fight for something they, they can't happen. Even right, so I, I I do think that there's that is w some wisdom to not push yourself so hard that you do experience a breakdown, especially during this period of time. Uh, I know I think a lot of people probably experience the, the mental exhaustion and the, the the I don't know, you know what what would the what's the word I'm looking for the anxiety. Burnout? Yeah, the anxiety attack and burnout and yeah. mental breakdowns of the se this holiday season as we try to live up to the expectations that capitalism has ingrained in us since we were young of what Christmas is supposed to be or the holiday season, whatever you celebrate, whatever that's supposed to be. Um, and I just get sensory overload around this period of time. I, I When I was when I would, when I visited shops or went out of my house in the long distance <laughs> past, remember visiting shops and going out of your house. Yeah, right. So like I, I, I just was so overwhelmed by the music, the lights, like all the people, and I was just like, I can't handle this. I, and I, I think a, a, even just a little, a few years ago, before the pandemic, I was like, I refuse to do this anymore. I'm not doing this 
I'm not doing Christmas American style anymore. Like I'll get some presents for people, but I'm not going and fighting the hordes of people. I'm, I'm going to be as generous as I can, but I'm going to respect the need to relax and to slow down, you know, because it, I just always felt super uncomfortable around this period of time. I, can you, can you relate to that on some level, Tanya or people in the audience there? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a lot like it's, it's a, it's a weird kind of paradox between the the season and like what our consumerist culture has made it into yeah. that. It's like, instead of a time for kind of like, it should be like downtime with your family and like, mm -hmm. you know, exchanging gifts and counting your blessings and all those things. But instead it's gotten warped into this kind of like explosion of like music and lights and, and consuming and shopping and rah. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's, it's too much. It's, it's, yeah, it's, we need a little bit of Hera to the Zeus. That's right. Know? That's right. Someone, some... someone has to rein this fuck boy of a season. In. <laughs> There's a sound bite for the Instagram. <laughs> Someone's got rein this fuck boy in. <laughs> he was the ultimate like primordial fuck boy, wasn't he, Zeus? Uh, That's the vibe. So I could just imagine him like crouched down like. <laughs> you know, in yes. his little in his little pose that like right that tender right. pose where he's like swipe on it ladies exactly all right so I'll that's turn sort into of a swan show up at your house <laughs> right <laughs> right uh, i can see him with this like rose colored sunglasses or whatever purple purple color definitely you know? purple um, so, so some of the things that we're going to be seeing as the as the canvas that we're painting on is this energy of the sun in Sagittarius three is uh we're gonna start the the sag three season out with a square to neptune so again our good friend neptune is coming in and you know we may be trying to carry all the sticks and neptune's coming in it's like oh are, are you sure <laughs> like here's here's some cups to carry you know in in your vision and what if those sticks were also were pool noodles right what if they were made of water what if yeah. they disappeared and phased out into an alternate reality yeah i'm just i'm just gonna give up at this this time <laughs> this is where i'm kind of <laughs> like you know what no i'm not gonna carry all these sticks or all these these noodles or whatever they are screw it i'm gonna just like read a book i think that that's my advice for all of you around this period of time is you know, the only person's expectations that you have to live up to are your own. And yes, we want to do nice things for our family and for our kids and things like that, or however you celebrate. But, you know, practice some self-care around this period of time and don't push yourself to the point of like literally having a mental or emotional breakdown. Um, you're, you're getting permission for that here on the Spencer Michelle Astrology <laughs> Podcast. And maybe this is my own bias. Like there's probably other, others of you out there like, I love this season. It's so crazy. Let's just do it. But, well, and that's know. the thing. Like, I think it's about embracing what brings you joy. Like right. what does your kind of like dream holiday season look like? Like, is yeah. it cozy and introspective, you know, with a fire log or watching the fire log on TV? Or is it like jam packed with like gingerbread houses and yeah. a thousand twinkling lights and all your friends that you can possibly get in touch with like you know different, different things are different things are gonna like fill your cup up and different things are gonna nourish your soul and i think it's about kind of connecting with what that really is like what is your your vision of this that's that's beautiful and touching and real you know yeah and and also that vision is going to be coming face to face with you know 
illusion versus what is possible. I mean, we're still, I, I hate to bring it up again, but we're still living in COVID times. And in Michigan, where we live, it's still raging. It's popping off. So we may have to be still coming to terms with what we can and can't do around these periods of time. Um, I know everybody's exhausted from the pandemic, you know, us included. And, um, but I think we're, we're still going to have to kind of pair respects to Saturn and, uh, and Jupiter and Saturn, you know, as far as dealing with the reality of our situation and, you know, delaying some gratification sometimes too, I think is Saturn's jam. Um, so yeah, I, I think that be careful what you sacrifice for at this period of time, because it, it could be, you know, something that when you wake up the next day, you're like, Oh, why did I, why did I give everything up for that? These, these two decans, every decan that is preceding a, an equinox or a solstice, every mute last mutable decan, in, you know, in, requires some kind of sacrifice requires some kind of like energetic output potentially whether it's spiritual or physical or material or or you know whatever um so i guess think long and hard about what you're willing to to crusade for at this period of time as well all right if we move forward to the next day we have uh mars ingressing into sagittarius so mars is going to be losing some dignity moving into Sagittarius, immediately conjoining the south node uh, of the moon. And I'm always, I always feel, I, I want to get your opinion on this, Tanya. Mm -hmm. when, a, when a malefic loses dignity or a malefic indignity, mm -hmm. is that necessarily bad? Like, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think not necessarily. It depends on kind of how I think it's going to interplay with, with other things. For me, I feel like when malefics or when plants in general hit that south node, there's a little bit of a draining away. So like just that placement, like, you know, conjunct conjoining that node, you're going to see like some of the, the vitality, like drain away in addition yeah. to like kind of the, the dignity drop from changing signs. Um, and yeah, you know, it, it depends on what you want to do. Like, mm. I think that's the thing, like a, a dignified malefic can confer some benefits because it can be like, this is a, a distilled kind of version of this force. Yeah. So you can use it for what it's good for. Like, you know, right. Mars kind of wants to, you know, wreak havoc. <laughs> Mars, Mars wants to sever and stab and like break apart. But there's times when those energies are valuable. Like you mm -hmm. can't just infinitely be like conglomerating everything together. You know, then you just end up with a big undifferentiated blob. Well, and, and, and in Scorpio too, it's, it's getting rid of, the old form that mm -hmm. isn't vital anymore exactly exactly so, like there's a time to cut like prune things away like you have to prune your rose bushes you yeah. know at certain times of the year if you want the beautiful flowers and like sometimes that energy is really useful but you know there's also a time when like i think the the malefics kind of like dropping into a space where they aren't the most prominent placements in the chart or they don't have as much kind of like oomph behind them isn't necessarily a bad thing either I just, I'm, my intuition is telling me this might be a point of relief potentially. Cause you know, mm -hmm. we've got, we had Mars and the overcoming square to Saturn and Jupiter. And, you know, finally it moves out of Scorpio right as the sun is squaring Neptune, where we just are maybe making that final 
you know, idealistic push for something and we're collapsing, exhausted, and our energy is just like, nope, <laughs> we're mm-hmm. not going to do it anymore. Not you know, like, going to do it. It definitely is a draining influence on Mars and our, our will to continue fighting. Maybe this is a point where we're like, I'm not going to fight anymore for this particular thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mars is going to be entering that, that Deccan associated with swiftness, speed, enthusiasm. So instead of maybe fighting to release old forms, maybe we're starting to direct our energy to, you know, cutting away old belief systems as well mm-hmm. and say, what are, we, what are we really going to put our energy towards that we believe in now that's not based on these old forms we just released, but based on who we are today? Um, the sun, I guess I'm just, just riffing here, but the sun is on the fixed star called Rasel Haig on this day which is the, the uh, star in, in Ophiuchus, the snake handler, um, as, associated with Asclepius, the, the, you know, the healer. So there may be something to do with like medicine or, or healing around this period of time or some awareness of, of medicines, healings, something of that nature could come up in the public awareness as well. Um, I believe we had... An eclipse when the first vaccines were coming out was very close to this fixed star, uh, Rossell Haig. So maybe there's more news about that potentially, um, booster shots or something like that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. All right. So that is the 13th. Actually, there's one more thing I want to discuss on the 13th, Tanya. Um, we also have another ingress. So we had Mars moving into Sagittarius. So this this thirteenth day is actually a pretty big day because we're going to have mm-hmm. some shifting shifting tides here. You can see that now Mercury is in Capricorn. So we have Mars moving into Sagittarius and Mercury moving into Capricorn. So a big shift. Day. What's that? Yeah, big day. Nice, big day. And th- and that is an improvement for Mercury. So so Mars mm-hmm. is losing steam, and Mercury is is getting you know, some of its groove back after being in exile in Sagittarius. So here we have Mercury. This is your your Mercury return. So this will be a fun day for you, Tanya. Woo! I'm giving, away, you all your, I'm giving away all your chart placements <laughs> today. Uh, <laughs> but, but this is, you know, and we'll talk about this in a second when we get to Capricorn 1, but we've got a time period where we're dealing with the two of pentacles, where we're weighing mm-hmm. um the advantages and disadvantages of a physical place. So we, we've 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 spent some time in Jupiter land, getting clear on on our animating spirit and principle. And now it's time to descend back to Earth and infuse it back into form once again. So y- your thoughts may really shift towards the practical application of the the dream that you've been trying to manifest over the last few weeks, and then you're going to be. You know, there's there is some potential juggling of um, directions. You know, you're you're simultaneously dealing with, you know, the past and the future in this decade. So, uh, mm-hmm. I know for me, like at the end of the year, I'm always thinking about like, what am I gonna, you know, how am I gonna, am I gonna invest in my business for the end of the year, and what would be the best way to to do that uh, before the end of the the, the fiscal year. Um, and it's very practical and tangible. And, you know, I've been, I guess people really enjoy books, book, bookstagrams because I've been buying <laughs> bookstagram. a lot of 
I've been buying a lot of books lately. You know? You've been you've been posting those those thirst shelfies. Thirst, yeah. <laughs> That's I love that. I'm into that. I I will post right. all the thirst shelfies. All the, all the You've got all the tweetable things today, Tanya. You, you, you know, silly, is I, silliness I is afoot. <laughs> well, this is you know, and here's for those of you who are wondering, this is what it looks like when someone has Mercury in its joy in the first house. So Tanya basically makes up her own language a lot of the time and coins her own terms fairly often. Um, and it's, it's, it's marvelous to, to witness, I'd say. And as someone who has a lot of Mercury-based placements I, and Venus and Gemini, that's part of my, uh, part of my appreciation for Tanya is her, her scintillating wit. Oh, you're <laughs> so. very kind. I can't take credit for the term shelfie, but okay. I, it, is a, it is a good one. I think that something we'll see too, <laughs> I think something that we'll see too is your thoughts are going to clear up for people that have like, you know, heavy influences from Mercury, where if you're, you know, Mercury ruled or you have significant Mercury placements where it's like, this is a planet that, that hits your chart pretty hard. Your, your thoughts are going to clear up. Yeah. Like, you know, we've sober. all been kind of, be yeah, sober. kind of, kind of sobering, like, we'll be going, we'll be coming out of the fog and kind of the confusion and the dreams and illusion and starting to be like, okay, whoa. Like I have multiple things going on. Like, how am I going to juggle them? Like, where am I, you know, where do I need to get more efficient? Like, right. you're going to start thinking about like, like, how do I bring this into reality? How do we get down to brass tacks and kind of like start, you know, making some concrete and actionable plans. Yes. And I think that that's going to feel really good for all the, all the earthy people and all the, you know, heavy, heavy mercury people out there. Well, and th that brings me to another point that Liz Green makes about Saturn in general, because Mercury is moving into a house of Saturn. She says in her book, The Luminaries, that Saturn, excuse me, castrates things into being. Like when you bring things into material form, you are castrating the future possibilities. So like, for example, in Jupiter's sign, you're begetting all these options, you know, you're expanding what is <laughs> More possible. More of me. <laughs> right. And, and, and then when you get to Saturn, you're saying, okay, I'm taking that sickle and I'm castrating, you know, Uranus's genitals and <laughs> like bringing them in, bringing all these things into form like Aphrodite and the Uranus and things like that. But it's eliminating possibilities when you make something real and tangible. Mm -hmm. And that may be mm -hmm. where our minds are gravitating towards with Mercury moving into Capricorn as well. Okay, let's keep going. Um, I think we may make it under three hours today. No. <laughs> Depending on how we go. Zippity-doo-dah. So on the 15th of December, we're seeing Mars making that conjunction to the south node. And I think that we, we kind of covered that a little bit. You know, where there is some energy leaving, uh, you know, and, and I want you to pay attention, those of you out there, to the Scorpio house in your chart and the Aries, uh, Aries house in your chart. Excuse me. Oh, come on. Come on, words. I, I can speak. I don't have Mercury in the first house. Mine's in the 12th. Got this. <laughs> so so uh, anyway, um, Look at those two areas of your chart and be able to think about that there may be something that needs to be released related to those two topics, those two house topics potentially that you may see a release happening through the Sagittarius area of your chart as well, like a completion and ending something of that nature. 
Uh, I know like my my daughter is applying for scholarships or something like that. So this is a Leo rising chart. So my family, ninth house of higher education, something coming to completion in the fifth house of children. That that could be that's one example of how this could play out. I'm just speaking from my own experience, um, like an, an ending point. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily have to be bad. It could just be like a, a culmination of, of sorts that brings in those those three topics. Um, when we get to the 18th, Tanya, we will get a full moon. So this is our full moon in Gemini 2. Or 3, sorry, Gemini 3. 3. Bibu-babu. I'm still on the post, the post uh, Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's a sleepy day. We're yeah. a little sleepy. So yep. here we have an opposition between the sun and the moon. It is not an eclipse, correct? Yeah, it's just a regular full moon. I don't think it's an eclipse, even though the nodes are still here. Yeah, there's a there's a co-presence, so there's like a little little yeah. whiff of it, but not not enough to actually like make it full-blown eclipsey so it's just like a little just a little susan of that yeah. flavor yeah it's weird but like it, it's far enough away that they're not oh, considering yeah. it an eclipse no 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 but it's still in the same sign as the nodes so there's you know it, it is a culmination of some of the things that were begun at the new moon solar eclipse in sagittarius now remember mm -hmm. those eclipses are big chapter markers that play out over the course of six months. There, there's meta cycles, you know, th this is the monthly cycle. The, and then we have a six month cycle with that eclipse. And then there's, I believe there's like an 18 year cycle with eclipses as well. Um, don't hold me to that particular detail, but it's something of that nature. Um, remember I said, I'd be painting in broad, broad strokes, brush strokes today. <laughs> like, but, but to me, this is, we, we've got the sun in that third decan of Sagittarius, Tanya, where we're mm -hmm. carrying that heavy burden. Yep. And then when we get to the moon in Gemini 3, we've got someone who's got these nine <laughs> swords or in his back or 10 swords in ten. his back. Yeah. And he just can't he just can't carry the load anymore, right? Like I no. think it's the, the 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 kind of the point where we say we just can't do anymore, you know? Yep. You're and, done. Put a put a fork in you. You're done. Yeah, and that's one of the secret significations of Gemini is that, yes, you are exploring different possibilities, mercurial style, but eventually, you know, one twin has to sacrifice his time on Olympus to allow the other uh, mortal twin to live again, you know, so, so we eventually have to make a choice because at those solstice points, the sun's shifting direction like at the summer solstice the sun is starting to descend this is why gemini's mm -hmm. get accused of changing their mind because they 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 are achieving something and they're like ah, i achieved that um, i'll try something else now <laughs> reverse direction and but it's yeah. interesting with sagittarius I, I and i've heard achuta bavadas talk about this on his nightly channel but i'm curious some of your thoughts about it is there is this kind of like descent with Sagittarius that maybe potentially leads to an, an ascension again with the with the, the switch of direction, you mm -hmm. know, like like a, a humbling that happens mm -hmm. in Sagittarius before we can rise again. And mm -hmm. and there's some significations with Hercules in Sagittarius as well, because that 
that those fixed stars are there. Do you have any reflections on a humbling that, that, that maybe you've experienced or that you've had to go through before you can rise to power or whatever it might be? Oh man. I mean, so many, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think like there's, you know, Scorpio kind of has the main rap for the, the death and rebirth energy. But I think even over the course of Sagittarius, like, you know, the, the strength of the sun is, is getting less and less. And so like, we're, we're watching the sun kind of like symbolically and astronomically kind of die to itself. And so as you come to the conclusion of Sagittarius, there's a really strong energy of that kind of like letting go of things. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you've been on this kind of like powerful heroic journey. Um, you know, the, the energy starts off so high with like the, the ideals and the kind of vision and like you're shooting for it and there's so much motion, but that arrow has gone up and it's going to come down and land somewhere. Yeah. And so it's, you're seeing that kind of like parabolic trajectory over the course of this portion of the year and in kind of my experience And so like, it's, you know, that energy has gone on up, 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 and it has nowhere to go, but down. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you're going to hit that rock bottom, or you're going to kind of see that moment where it's like, okay, like everything's, you know, stopped now. And that's kind of that, like that pivot point, which I think is so interesting. Like, I really love the winter solstice because it's such a neat kind of turning point energetically, you know, like that, that kind of like the, the darkness kind of becoming so complete and like, you know, then the sun is only going to get brighter from here on out, but you have to reach that kind of like like super low point that, that nadir where it's like, this is as dark as it can get, you know, Scorpio isn't as dark as it can get Sagittarius, the end of Sagittarius actually is. And I think that's funny, isn't it? Yeah. And that's not something you really hear a lot. I think Mm -hmm. when we talk about Mm -hmm. Sagittarius is that it's literally the darkest part of the year in the Northern Mm -hmm. hemisphere. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to bring Hercules back in here because you know, Hercules, Hercules. Yeah, right? Because because at six at sixteen degrees of Sagittarius, we have Ras Al Gathi, which is in the the constellation of the, the Kneeler, which is Hercules. And I think that the interest there's an interesting story of uh, it, when people who look at fixed stars will will sometimes talk about Orion, who is in Gemini stars at this point, uh, having his foot in the whirlpool in the river of the Eurydonis, that, that eventually at the end of that river are the stars of Hercules, the kneeling one, where there is this humbling. And if you know the story of Hercules, like he, he, had, he had it all at one point, right? He had strength, he was semi-divine, he had a family, and like due to Hera's, you know, rage and jealousy of un- yet another Zeus concubine child, she drove him to madness and he like went crazy and like killed his family, you know, his kids. And like he committed the ultimate sin of infanticide in, in Greek history and mythology. And he had to be sent on these like very humbling labors where he was just going through the mill, like the 12 labors of Hercules. And, you know, eventually it's, it's the sort of the, the transition of Orion, who is this like brutish, instinctual, desire-based hunter, you know, extremely he, problematic. Yeah, very, yeah, <laughs> he has this club. He's this just a very, this is a very non-consensual, stuff. very non-consensual yeah. energy. He's just clubbing shit all the time, Ch- and chasing like, ladies, chasing ladies. <laughs> like Orion says, "I'm gonna kill everything," and like you know, that's why they sent the scorpion after him, like. Artemis or Artemis or like uh, Gaia was like, nope, you can't kill all of my creations. I'm going to send this Scorpio to kill you. 
So, uh, you know, like this, like instinctual desire awareness of Orion that eventually through that river of experience uh, becomes wisdom of Hercules, you know, the wisdom of like being humbled. So it's not, Ras al-Gethi isn't like the, I believe like the forehead of that constellation. So it's all about kind of utilizing the mind rather than just this brute strength. And um, I think that that is a, a sort of an experience for a lot of Sagittarians is that I, I think it's, people don't really see that they, they often become humbled through, you know, sometimes through that foot and mouth disease or whatever it is, or, or through the fact that they may double down on, on knowing something. And then they have to be, you know, taught like through the, the, the experience of hubris, which is a very, sometimes a Jupiterian uh, or, or Zeus type of experience too, is Zeus is humbled by Hera a lot. You know, like he, he has the hubris to just go around and toss it in whatever he feels like. And then he has to pay the consequences with Hera mm -hmm. and like his, his kids pay the consequences. Like Hercules was Zeus's son and he really paid for being a son of, of Zeus. And I think that that also can talk about the, the family lineage of trauma that could be passed on too, that we're kind of inheriting some of these things as well. So, um, and I've, you know, you, you've talked about it too, that you're, you know, since you're a cap rising, you're a little bit of a earthier Sagittarius, but I've seen other Sagittarian friends too, go through this humility experience over and over again. Um, it's not, it's not the easiest path. You know, I, I think that um, there's a lot of misconceptions around the sign. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think like, it's like one of the, I, I feel like mutable, the mutable axes, like get a lot of hate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's a lot of darkness and challenge inside and that the optimism of Sagittarius is very hard one. Like, I think that it's very real because, you know, being a Jupiter ruled sign, there is that kind of like vision of expansion and like positivity and kind of like growth. And, you know, it's going to run up against reality sometimes, and that's going to be like a, a painful downfall yeah. <laughs> now and then. Like, you know, like I think Sagittarians um, and people with a lot of strong Sagittarius placements, you know, can struggle with over-promising mm -hmm. um, and kind of really like that energy where you just like, you can see like, all, like so much and like you can, you know, envision such a brilliant future or such a wonderful outcome to everything that it's hard to kind of like have that friction between that and reality. And like, you're going to fly too close to the sun a lot. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and Liz Green talks about like, there's a secret melancholy with Sagittarians, you know, that, that it's like, yes, there's, they put on the brave optimistic face, but sometimes there's that this, crying on the inside clown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, you know, living with you, I've, I've, we've experienced that. I mean, real talk, like, uh, it's, it's, uh, we all and, have our sad clown moments. And you can, you can, you know, feel free to flay me and eviscerate me at my own show too if you want. I'm, I'm, I'm saying this with all due respect. I mean, it's hard for sometimes for Tanya and I to talk about some of these things because we're, we're so, you know, enmeshed in each other's experience sometimes. So, but, um, but yeah, I think that, you know, Liz Green talks about eventually every 
Zeus will find their Hera. And that could be either a relationship, a job, mm. something that is binding them on some level. Maybe I'm maybe I'm Tanya's Hera. <laughs> so, <laughs> not not that I'm getting sent to Fuckboy Island anytime soon. Right. But, <laughs> um, no, but I think like there's um there can't be infinite expansion. And I think that it's such a natural and important balance to that kind of like Jupiterian and jovial instinct to kind of like constantly grow and to like constantly have a new vision and a new plan and new this and new that and like you know always want to be somewhere other than where you are mm -hmm. and you have to root down in the present moment and that requires making sacrifices it's like you were talking about the the castration into reality like yeah. there's a little bit of a desire i think to just kind of live in your imagination and your vision of like how perfect it could be because it, it could be that perfect like you know if you aren't trying to like ground something into reality and deal with the limitations and the constraints that that entails. Like it's very tempting to live in like a fantasy world where you can just like do anything you want and like all your ideas work out perfectly. Like, you know, but you have to like do it in reality. And yeah. then you're going to run into that, that Hera, you know, literal or metaphorical where, you know, things aren't going to go quite the way you imagined, or you don't have as much time as you thought you did. Does everything take longer than it seems like it should? <laughs> Do yeah. other other people with strong Sagittarius placements struggle with this? Like I am so bad at time management. Yeah. That's my that's one of my crosses to bear. I'm always just like I can do all these things, and I'm like, oh no, I can do like two things. <laughs> I think the good the good news for all of you Sag Sages out there who I'm hopefully I'm not pouring too much cold water on your enthusiasm because it is a beautiful thing that. Well, the enthusiasm is not positive. going away. Like, we're all still going to keep trying to do. I, all I saw the this. I saw this meme <laughs> meme recently on Instagram where it was about Mercury and Sagittarius, and it was like the only person that can cancel me is God. And I was like, okay, that's <laughs> that's the most Sagittarian thing ever. <laughs> like, so I like that. Oh my God, that's awful. Um, I love it. <laughs> but the good news for you, Sages out there, is that your ruling planet Jupiter is going to be gaining a whole mess of dignity pretty soon. So, you know, right now you may feel that you're just in this prison of limitations with Jupiter being in, in Saturn sign, but it, there is going to be some freedom that is going to start coming with the, the Jupiter moving into, into Pisces. And that, I think that is a very positive thing for, for our Sagittarian brothers and sisters out there is you may be able to start manifesting the dream a little bit, um, at, towards the end of the month. I'm looking at the chat box here, Tanya, and I, I'm seeing that we have two, count them, one, two, Tarya's from Finland stopping in today, Tarya E and Tarya what? T, which is amazing. <laughs> I, love I love my it. Finland friends. Double, you know, I double the Tarya's. I'll have to admit, that, that, and a small tangent, my Finland friends, I recently followed an Instagram account called Cheap Nordic Homes. And as Tanya and I have been dreaming oh my God. about our like, you know, next, you know, speaking living of, Speaking steps. of reality, that's not right. like moored, moored in yet. And there's these beautiful like Nordic homes, like all of them are like under $100,000, like with these mountain views and lakes and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm, you know, we're, we're uh, going to live, live by a fjord. Dreaming a little bit. But if any of you want to be our, our like uh, transitionary uh expatriate you know tour guides for for finland just let us know 
<laughs> like, I, don't, I don't know if it's anything super serious at this point, but it looks um, beautiful. If you like, want to convince us to come live to fit in Finland. I, I know there's a lot of you out there now, <laughs> and, and you you've all been super super nice and and wonderful people. So, um, just giving you a shout shout out. <laughs> like I'm, I think I've, I've cornered the market for astrologers in Finland and the Netherlands so far. <laughs> so okay. that's where most of our fans are here. Um, but anyway, so at this, just to bring it back full circle, this full moon, y- you know, let go of what you can't carry anymore. Don't try to carry all the sticks, all the options. If you want to achieve the goal, you're going to have to choose a path and infuse energy into that one particular path because you're probably not going to be able to do everything around this full moon. And that's okay. Like it's, you know, maybe there's like something where you're trying to, you know, visit every single relative or you're trying to, you know, buy every single thing or whatever. And you may just come to your limit where you say, that's enough. This is what's most important. This is my priority. I'm going to do this one thing really well, or these two things well, rather than 10 things. So don't, don't be me. (laughs) (laughs) You have, you have things take longer than you think. That's true. All right. So that's our full moon on the 18th. Um, the very next day, now this is important because the very next day we have our, our Venus retrograde showing up. So here is Venus stationing retrograde at 26 degrees of Capricorn, conjoining, still conjoined Pluto. We just had Venus conjoining Pluto and then it's going to start grinding backwards over Pluto. So whatever challenge that you experienced in the beginning of the month with the Venus conjoining Pluto, get ready to deal with it once again. <laughs> like, it's um, back. So I did a really deep dive and long treatment on this with a couple other astrologers, Melissa LaFara and Shu Yap on Mel's podcast, Energetic Principles. So you can find a link to that. Uh, you can Check out Energetic Principles, type that into Google, or if you're on my newsletter, I, I sent out a link to it and you can sign up on my newsletter. I'll send it out again. Um, but any any initial thoughts on this Venus retrograde and we can get back to Lisa's question about our resources as well. Mm-hmm. See, I remembered. You did. You remembered it all yourself. Yeah, I think that this is going to be, you know, that that kind of cold water moment where it's mm-hmm. like, you know, your plans like that seem so grandiose, like kind of up until this moment are going to start to seem like they're falling through in some area of your life. Like there's going to be like a little bit of a turnaround where you're like, oh everything's not, not done. I can't sign off on this just yet. And like, you're going to start the like review process where you just like head right back into something that you thought was done. Mm. You know? Yeah. We're hitting really close to the solstice too. So mm-hmm. big, mm-hmm. big shifts around this period of time, the 19th and the 20th here. Um, so yeah, I, I guess a lot of the things I was talking about with, with Capricorn three, administrative processes, um, you know, like the way that we manage a certain area of our life, there may be some challenges with authority figures as well, because, you know, Venus usually is something that harmonizes the area that it's in and brings things together. We may have, we may have more difficulty uh, keeping harmony with the, the authority figures in our life as well we may have to come face to face with some corruption in those systems as well. Pluto exposes things that have been repressed for a a long time. So, but I think that the turnaround with that is that, again, purification, I think is the goal with this. Uh, We're we're going to be, you know, 
I don't know, my friend Shu talks a lot about Inanna going into the underworld and, you know, being stripped of her adornments to, to be purified and, and then come back out. So this may be a, a, the beginning of a period of time where we're, you know, Inanna is, is going into the under, underworld, being stripped of her adornments, but eventually so that there is some new sense of purpose. Just to give you a little preview, the, 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 the Venus Kazemi will be on the 8th of January at, I believe, 18 degrees of Capricorn. Um, and then it'll turn direct on the 29th of January at 11 degrees of Capricorn. So a lot of things I've been talking about with clients in these last few weeks is that there may be some challenge to the way that you're managing your life and you have to go all the way back to the decan that's associated with the blueprint or how you are building rather than how you are managing what you're building. So you may have to change the blueprint a little bit and then you'll start to go forward again with the managerial responsibilities. So, you know, just keep that in mind at the end of the month is that there's going to be some changes to the plan a little bit and, and be try not to get caught unaware that that may be a possibility and just go with the flow, right? What, what, what do you think? What do you, what advice would you have Tanya for people during this period of time? Yeah. I mean, I think you just have to be open to new information. Like things are going to be in flux and like, so it's, it's going to continue to kind of like have that energy of things not being as pinned down as you'd like. And for me, I feel like Venus retrograde is a really distinctive influence um, because we're so, you know, it, it doesn't happen that often, but when it does happen to me, it's really noticeable because Venus is such an important force for kind of like harmonizing and like sweetness and bringing things together. And when like all of that kind of goes sideways for a little while, it becomes very noticeable. Um, so it's just kind of an, an energy shift that is going to kind of be something to, to kind of keep in mind too, where it's like, it might be easy to like come together in this area of your life. Normally, like you're going to experience a little bit more friction maybe, or mm -hmm. something that you used to like, you're going to be like, maybe I want to try something different, or maybe you become kind of a little more eccentric. Like it's an energy where it's like, it becomes a little more contrary mm -hmm. where, you know, Venus is like the yes planet, but now it's kind of like, but like, eh, you know, I don't know about that. You know, there's going to be some kind of new, new desires and new things that you want that you maybe hadn't thought of before coming up, but it might not be something that you want forever because right. that energy is going to shift back again. So like yeah. if you meet someone new and they seem really amazing right now, like, yeah. like give it some time. <laughs> yeah. Try not to like make, don't get married. Don't make, have that yeah, Vegas wedding. <laughs> try not to get relationship commitments during this period of time because the, the person may not you know, what you are desiring mm -hmm. is, is probably a little bit different than what we're experiencing here. And I believe, I can't remember which planets are out of bounds still at this period of time, but there is definitely still some out of bounds planets. Um, I'm looking this up real quick here. Mm -hmm. um, so Venus is out of bounds right now as I'm talking about this. And I believe that Mercury will be out of bounds by this period of time. Something like that. Sorry. So yeah, Venus will be back in bounds by then, and then Mercury will be out of bounds. So out of bounds planets are ones that are operating outside of the authority of the solar king in traditional astrology. So Venus has finally gone back into like, I don't know, 
following the rules, <laughs> sort of, mm -hmm. but now is immediately goes retrograde. And then Mercury is going to be like, well, now it's my turn to be crazy and go off the rails and be a more pure expression of that planet. Like, so we have pure Venus right now that is maybe not beholden to societal's expectation, society's expectations. And then Mercury is going to go through that phase uh, through the middle of the month as well. Um, okay. So just be careful with any new new relationships that start. Review your values around how you administrate and utilize your own authority, what you're responsible for. Can you handle it? Are you up to the task? Can you delegate? I mean, those are questions that I would ask around this period of time. And then check out the deep dive that Shu and Mel and I did on the Energetic Principles podcast for a two-hour deep dive into just Venus retrograde. Um, and then Tanya, are any of your Venus oils or products helpful for this? <laughs> it wouldn't hurt to slather on a little bit of essence of Venus under slightly more favorable circumstances. So yeah, this is probably not a bad time for some kind of remediation techniques. Um, and there's lots of great resources um, about that out there. But yeah, well, then, you know, slap on a little... <laughs> little oil you like my subtle subtle product placement better condition you know right <laughs> oh boy i see that uh taria is going to help me with uh nordic houses thank you taria appreciate that um we've got elena joining us from south africa welcome oh, cool uh, elena that's very cool that we've got another country accounted for here and then Tarya is also saying it's nice. Or the other Tarya, we, I, I can't, that's blowing my mind that there's two Tarya's here. Tarya is here. The Tarya's are here for Tanya. <laughs> like, so it's, she's saying that it's so nice that you talk about out of bounds planets. They're so interesting. Yeah, I do find it very interesting. Um, you know, I've, I've seen Venus out of bounds, you know, in charts of people like Bjork. Uh, on the positive side where just that's just an unfettered Venus. She just does whatever mm -hmm. comes mm -hmm. into her brain and it's it's very beautiful and interesting. But then you've got some other out of bounds Venus stuff like Drake, who has Venus in Scorpio, <laughs> who is a notorious um, child groomer as far as like not understanding the boundaries between a 30 <laughs> He's Plus just cool friends with a 16-year-old girl. Well, like, not even, they like, just have a lot to 16. talk about. He's like, like he's grooming 14-year-olds, you know, like he's yucky. He makes he makes me a little vomit burpy. Nasty. Um, so that can also be an expression of Venus out of bounds where, you know, people don't respect the, the social boundaries of, of a relationship. Um, so that can be something as well. So that's that's the Venus retrograde. We'll probably be talking about that more as I go into January and and then my other stuff coming up mm -hmm. um, on the this same day. This is just day, the kickoff. Yeah, this is just the beginning. I, I I believe I gave all of you some dates for that, so we'll keep our eyes on that. Um, so the other thing we've got a sextile from the Sun and Jupiter on that day, so that's positive. I mean, that's mm -hmm. that's a nice a nice little boost for the sun. Uh, mm -hmm. Right before we're heading into Capricorn season, we'll get a little uh, nice, you know, boost for being able to leave the past behind, being able to release some sort of old karmic, you know, challenge. Uh, you know, try to, the challenge with uh, Aquarius 3 is don't let your resentment 
overwhelm you. Like there's a, there's a lot of frustration and resentment in the last decade of Aquarius. And really the way to alleviate that is not to just keep banging your head against the wall and trying to stand your ground like you would in, in Leo three, but to finally just let go of the tug of war and say, fine, I'm out. See you later. I'm taking my, the wisdom that I've got, uh, that I learned and I'm leaving behind that, which I can't fight for anymore. You know, like seven of swords card here that we see and just move on. And, and that's the way to deal with that energy. Just, just move on. It's not worth, it's not worth like banging your head against that same wall over and over again. And you, you will find eventually that will lead to a new sense of spiritual renewal as well. You know, like we had the spiritual renewal from separating from the body in Scorpio to Sagittarius, but then we also have a renewal of like our, I don't know, our, our imaginal spirit when we move from, from Aquarius to Pisces. Uh, Lisa is asking, what does the name Tarya mean to you, Spencer? <laughs> I wonder if that is the name of a fixed star prominent in your chart. I don't know, but you know what? Tanya is, uh, her stage name here has a J in it. It's only one letter different. So maybe I'm just imprinted on Tanya here and I just attracting all the Tarya's and the Tanya's <laughs> like, but maybe there is something I, I, I will, I know that for me personally, I have Nordic heritage. From, I mean, I mean that in Norway, I don't know if there's like a Norwegian, uh, ancestry. My, my family name is Thorson. So I, I definitely have an attraction to that area of the world. I don't know if maybe I had an ancestor that was named Tarja or if that's specifically a Finnish name and not a Norwegian name, but something worth exploring. And uh, my beard is pretty red. So there's some, you know, some sort of uh, Viking heritage that I have uh, in there as well. So again, mountains and lakes are my jam. <laughs> so, like maybe someday. On a, someday. On a like semi-weekly basis, he's like, you know what I realized? I want to live by water. That's true. That's, I love water places. And that could be my cancer placements as well. But mm -hmm. who can say? All right. So let's move forward to, to the last aspect that we have on uh, the second decan of Sagittarius. And then we'll move on to Capricorn and then we'll wrap it up. So this is Tanya's birthday. Hello, Tanya's birthday. Happy birthday, Tanya. December 20th. Uh, <laughs> we'll be celebrating Tanya on this day. Um, so this is your solar return chart. Oh, we, oh it's, boy. it's pretty cool. It's pretty similar to it. I think my literal solar return is maybe like a day before, but this yeah. is pretty, this is pretty much what we're looking at. Like, yeah. 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 Ret you know. Retrograde Venus, Jupiter hanging on by his fingernails to the final part of <laughs> Aquarius. <Right>. Cancer moon. <laughs> That's not too can't, bad. Can't, nice, nice cancer moon. I like that moon. And it's also got a, got a lot of light, what you've got a lot of dignity. On, what you've got Delish. going on, Tanya, on this day is a trine between Mercury and Uranus, almost exactly. So this is the, the main aspect of your birthday. Uranus and Mercury trine in the heck out of each other. There we go. Right? It'll be birthday surprise. Happy, happy birthday surprises. So Mercury is in the Deccan that's associated with building from a specific blueprint. Um, and it's going to be trining Uranus in the Deccan that is generally related to rhythms and routines that create growth. Um, it, it, that it's also related to 
generosity and charity. Uh, so maybe some new routines for you, Tanya, in your year ahead, uh, where you're building from a, a new personal blueprint from the first house to your fifth in your creative process. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. To, right? to me, this aspect looks a lot like kind of like an inspired idea. Like you, you've been doing things one way and then like there's going to be, this is a nice little moment when there's, seems like a nice opportunity for just like a cool new way of doing something to kind of come to you out of the blue. Mm-hmm. Like a little yeah. fun way to kind of like shake it up and be like, oh, I never thought of doing it that way. Like I think that that's a nice little moment where it's like there's, there could be a little like flash of insight that day. That looks really good to me. Yeah. And it's a trine too. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so it's kind of this thing where trines are of the na- nature of Jupiter. So taking action on this idea could bring good fortune. I remember when I was talking about sextiles where we just are receiving it, but I would say that the Jupiterian good fortune comes from actually taking an action, right? <laughs> yes. I'm giggling because Jody is saying that you should jump out of a cake for my birthday, for my birthday surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday, oh, Mr. There we go. Right, yeah. That, yep. Tanya would have to make, make the cake first, though. I would. I, would. <laughs> like, so I think all I'd be doing is just giving her some more sticks to carry on her birthday. <laughs> like, also, you need to make a cake. It needs to be very large. It needs to be Don't ask huge, why. and I have to fit into it. <laughs> Uh, Judy says, my husband and I are both water moons and we bought a house by a river. Oh, oh beautiful. You're living my dream. And beautiful. Rachel says, super interesting how we are attracted to certain parts of the world. You might like Ireland too, Spencer. Really no short of water duck emoji. <laughs> <laughs> I think Ireland would be gorgeous. I would love to travel to Europe at some point in my life. I always have a dream of visiting some of these places. So um, hopefully over the course of the next months, years. However, we can build relationships with these international friends and some of you could uh, be our tour guides. Or if you have a, an extra room that you wanna put us up in at some point, maybe we'll come visit your part of the world. And um, Tanya's a great chef and I can tell you about your, your chart because <laughs> I can't help talking about it. So you'd, you'd get probably free chart readings and, and uh, you know, interesting conversation and food. Hint, hint. <laughs> like everybody. All oh, right. once, once the air is less spicy, oh, the places we will go. Yeah, right. I, I mm, Air travel still makes me nervous, but uh, we'll see. This too shall pass, right? Okay, so that is Sagittarius 3. And now we move into the part of the year where the sun is returning to Capricorn. All right, so let me, we're in the home stretch here, folks. We're in the Sagittarius 3 home stretch, but now we're talking about Capricorn 1. Uh, this will be happening from the 21st of December to, hold on a second. All right, we'll let the fire trucks pass before we go forward. Um, this is the uh, the winter solstice, December the 21st, and we have the first decan of Capricorn, which is a Jupiter decan, uh, also Saturn in the descending, Cal- uh, I'm sorry, the 
the descending Chaldean order, it's Jupiter. In the triplicity method, it is Saturn. Sorry, I'm starting to fatigue. We're at hour two and a half here. <laughs> we'll get through it, though. Almost done. Hang with us. Uh, this is called A Headless Body by Austin Kopic. Uh, Harmonious Change or Just Change by the Book of T and the Book of Toth. We do see the Two of Pentacles. I'm going to stop my share for just a second so you can see this. Here is the Two of Pentacles with a figure that is juggling two pentacles with ships on the on the horizon. And Austin talks a lot about this deck and being related to finding um, the right place to build, the right place to incarnate. Um, if you remember, we talked a lot about Saturn's castration of future possibilities to be able to bring things into being or into form. So we may have like had a lot of visioning that happened in the Sagittarian period. And now we have to say, well, which of these goals that we chose, where's the best place to to put down roots, to put down, you know, actual energy and effort to make it a tangible reality? The daimon associated with Capricorn 1 is Asclepius, so the, the ship surgeon on the Argo that is skilled in bringing back the dead. And I thought that was fascinating because the sun is being resurrected at this point of time in the year, so we do have the, the resurrection of the vital force. Although Asclepius, who was taught the healing arts by Chiron, was smote by Zeus because he was a little bit too powerful and Hades was like, hey, this guy's like, uh, you know, he's messing with my workforce down here. Uh, you need to stop him from bringing people back from the dead. So much smoting. <laughs> so, you all going to get smited. Right. So he got smote. Um, so I guess try not to be too competent <laughs> like around this period of time. Just <laughs> like, don't let people know. Is Just that the takeaway? Dis be, dis be discreet. Is that the Capricorn thing? Like, oh, you're too competent. We're going to have to knock you down a few pegs. I mean, maybe. Right. Like, there's something to be said for, like, holding back a little bit. Like, don't yeah. let people know everything that you can do. Like, yeah. dole, dole it out. Dole it out. Right. So so an awareness of the advantages and disadvantages of a, a material place or a goal. Uh, asking yourself, where do you want to build? Where do you want to ascend? Because it's a, it, this is where we get the Capricorn ambition because the, the sun is starting to ascend now in the sky by declination and the days are starting to increase and overcome the darkness. With, with Capricorns, we have a lot of rags to riches stories where we mm -hmm. see you know someone starting with absolutely nothing at the very bottom and ascending to the heights of material power. Um, so, so think about it in that regard, out with the in, old with the new, this deck in Austin talks a lot about still the time of year where we are reflecting on the previous year and then seeing how we're going to take those lessons into the next year that we're, we're going through as well. Um, one last thing I wanted to talk about, and then I'll, I'll toss it back to you here, Tanya. Um, this story of Precus is one that uh, I like with uh, with Capricorn. So sad. And, right. It is a very sad, very sad tale. Uh, Precus was the father of the sea goats, and he was an immortal that was, his. he was a son of Kronos, Saturn, right? Or son of time. I don't know. What, sometimes those two get conflated. But he... Uh, he kept losing his children. His children kept leaving the ocean and becoming regular goats and learning the ability to think or to speak that the magic of the being a, a sea goat would, was giving them the magic of the ocean and the intuition. So they, they lost the ability to think and speak when they right. went onto land. That's yeah. right. 
So, and, and, and Precus was so sad by this, and he had the ability to turn back time. He had a little Hermione Granger time turner, and he would keep turning back time so his, his children would be back in the ocean with him. And, they, and despite his best efforts over and over again, they kept leaving. He, couldn't, he really could not do anything to turn back time. And he was so upset and sad and lonely from this that he begged Kronos to allow him to die. You know, he was like, just let me die. Like, I'm just so lonely. <laughs> so, so there's the death impulse of, of Saturn. Um, there is this, like, inability to, to really to look back and, and, and to, to, to uh, I don't know, go into the past, right? We have to look forward in this period of time. And we can't get fixated on the past because it is, it's gone. And, there, and despite our best efforts to conserve it and to, to protect it within the walls of Saturn. Remember we said Saturn, in Capricorn Saturn is sort of like everything inside the wall. Well, there's Precus trying to keep everyone inside the ocean, but you can't, you can't, can't. despite your best efforts, yep. all gotta forms let, are going to die. Gotta let them leave, leave the nest. Right. So, so that also it brings in the, the sobriety of Saturn and of Capricorn, where we're coming to terms with the reality that we, even though we think we have this power to, to, to change time, that we don't. Everything has its expiration date. And I think we come to terms with the reality of that, of what is or isn't possible with the time that we have in Capricorn as well. So again, I think that it's, you know, it's important for you to, to make those aspirations and to think about what is possible, what isn't, without trying to control um, everything as well. You know, I think that this is something that, you know, if you're uh, a Capricorn person, it can be easy to fall into that trap of thinking that you have control over these things. And, and sometimes we don't, you know, and mm. we have to kind of go with the flow a little bit. Um, thoughts on the winter solstice, Tanya, and that energy in general? Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess I, I touched on it a little bit earlier, but um, this is again, that time when the, it's kind of like as dark as it can get. And so like, you're kind of looking, looking within. Um, it's a time when, you know, there historically are a lot of kind of celebrations that involve like lights or fires. So you have a lot of like candle celebrations, you know, the burning of the Yule log and kind of like, there's a reason why we just love covering everything with little tiny sparkling lights this time of year. <laughs> like we're so hungry for light, like it's gotten so dark and so cold for so long, you know, and we have our, our time change here in America where it's like we lose an hour and it just, we are plunged into darkness and it's like dinner time, but it feels like it's midnight and everyone's just super depressed. Mm -hmm. So you kind of reach this really like low point and then you need to kind of like make your own light at that point. Mm -hmm. And like, that's why it's so important to kind of have that expression of um, generosity and expression of caring and kind of like finding the illumination in the darkness inside yourself and in kind of like the people around you. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, it's a really kind of interesting time because when you have these kind of significant, the, the solstitial, is that a word? Holidays? It is now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfectly cromulent. Perfectly cromulent. It's a real word. Um, you have these, these kind of moments in the, the wheel of the year, kind of as you look at these, these points of the seasons with your, your um, solstices, your equinoxes, and kind of the points that are in between those, 
you know, these are holidays that are very natural um, and kind of a useful point to look at over the kind of course of the year. So these are holidays where it's like you don't necessarily even have to, to do something for them. Like they will do you. Like it's a great point to kind of like use as a, a moment of divination and kind of like see what's coming up in your life. Like what are the energies that you're experiencing? What are the kind of events and like little ways that the kind of cosmic oracle is speaking to you at that point? You know, it's a great time. Mm-hmm. It's a turning point. Yeah. So you're going to kind of see little little messages and little kind of harbingers of like what the next chunk of time is going to look like for you. Right. Um, and that's part of why it's it's great to kind of purposefully infuse this time of year with, with positivity and kind of with generosity and celebration and whatever kind of like feeds your soul and connects you. And to um, slow because, down too, because Saturn's yeah. gifts are not given quickly. They require yeah. hard work, endurance, long mm-hmm. range thinking. And I, I, I'm piggybacking off a comment that Tarya T says, I, I have thought, Spencer, that you have a Nordic rhythm in the way that you speak. It's easy for me to follow and not too quick. Maybe that's why you have us Tarya's in the audience. <laughs> maybe maybe it's my <laughs> Nordic ancestry. And, because I believe that when we live in these northern climates, you know, it is very Saturnian on some level, and we are working slower. Uh, we have to conserve our energy because maybe it's cold and like we're, we're not going to, you know, everything slows down. The sap slows down. You know, we're like the mountain, you know, just kind of like, all right, we're going to endure this. You got to be pretty tough to live in these northern latitudes like Michigan and like Norway or Finland or Sweden or wherever people are coming to us from, Ireland. I know we've got some nice offers from Rachel here to go to Ireland, which would be awesome. We will yes. take you up on that. Love it. <laughs> so when, when we're when we're back in traveling mode, uh, all of you, we're going to come visit you. And we'll have the, the Tanya and Spencer tour. <laughs> like, right. Um, but yeah, like I like what you're saying about, you know, the return of the light, the, the turning point. Um, and just you can set these aspirations, but don't expect to achieve everything all at once, I think is the thing. You know, it's it's you're making a plan, but then you're going to have to be willing to do the, the very hard work and the very sobering work to make it into a reality. And eliminating distractions is a part of it that can be really positive, too. Mm-hmm. I want to go back and share my screen so we can look at the aspects here. And the first one that we have is a big one, a doozy, a dipsy doozy. So here we have Saturn and Aquarius. Jeez, oh, Saturn and Uranus. <laughs> Sorry, making their second or third square of the year. What do we got here? It's the third one, isn't it? It's the third square. This is yeah, the third and final this square. The, this is the third and final. Yeah. Yeah. Which has been an important uh, underlying canvas that 2021 has been painted on. Mm-hmm. I believe the first one we had was in February where we were just having, you know, a lot of, you know, discussions about the government and, you know, the new versus the old. Um, We had one in late July, I believe. Um, You were saying you remembered something about that period of time. Oh, I was actually thinking about earlier in the year when we started to see kind of the the uptick in unrest. Um, Also, over the course of this year, we've seen a lot of um, a lot of protests and a lot of strikes. Mm-hmm. I think this is the thing like we're seeing um, the kind of conflict between like like labor and power 
Right. That seems like it's happening and labor and structures, like the way we do things, the way people want to work is changing. And the fact that, you know, people are, are facing so many pressures be, um, economically um, and also because of the pandemic, like workers kind of all over the world, um, you know, from America to India are, are striking and protesting and being like, we're not going to be exploited anymore. And so right. we're seeing this very hard conflict between kind of the forces of, of structure and repression and power and kind of this like volatile uprising of energy where it's like there's this surge of, you know, resistance to being controlled. Yeah. Yeah. We have in America, a lot of, there's a lot of discussions in our Congress about preserving old ways versus, you know, breaking down this, the structures to, to bring in the new. And it's been grind. The gears have been grinding all year. Like they've been arguing Ooh, with one another. So, like, so much. It's so slow, this progress. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we may have, you know, it's something we didn't discuss is that we're heading towards that period where we have that deadline for the debt ceiling to be raised too. And I believe that's somewhere around the, uh, what was it? The 18th now? Yeah. Like late mid to late December. So this, this could potentially be a time frame where something grinds a little bit to a halt. If we don't have that happen, the financial markets start to get really shaken up. Um, and remember Uranus is in Taurus in the, in the Deccan that is associated with resources and with how we distribute resources and generosity. It's the six of pentacles card. So how we are distributing, you know, the money that we have, you know, coming into conflict with the six of swords card, where we see a figure that is trying to cross over into a new reality. So we have Saturn saying, hey, it's time to build some new infrastructure. It's time to make new laws. It's time to do some new stuff and reorganize some stuff. And, you know, and it's blowing up the way that we think about, uh, you know, currency, maybe inflation, how we're, how we're utilizing our resources. And I just wonder if there's some kind of breakdown that might be happening around this period of time. I hope not, because it's going to throw multiple things into chaos if it does. But again, this is happening simultaneously with Venus conjoining Pluto retrograde in the government decan as well. So harmony in the government is not going to be easy to come by uh, at this period of time. And this may be not just America as well. This could be internationally also. Mm -hmm. You were talking about Myanmar, right? Yeah, yeah. There was a military coup earlier this year as the this aspect kind of first started to kind of perfect. Um, so we're seeing, I mean, and also too, what we have here is there's there, that pressure from Mars is kind of like starting to creep in a little bit again. And so there's this kind of like intersection of these forces where it's like, it's explosive, it's restrictive, it's trying to break away, it's violent. And so there's this kind of series of, of forces coming together in a very distinctive way around this time. And I'm, I'm afraid it's gonna get spicy. Like we may see some, some conflict that gets really intense or something that happens really suddenly or you know it's kind of some kind of unpleasant surprise in this area yeah and and, and with the the structures that we mm -hmm. come to rely on since it's saturn that's getting uranus here okay well moving forward um we're gonna see on the 25th 
the next major aspect we have is the 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 recurrence of the conjunction between Venus and Pluto. So remember, Merry we, Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> like, uh, you know, you, you, this may coincide with some difficulty enjoying that holiday. I know that there's been supply chain questions about things being delivered on time because of the lack of uh, working force that's able to unload like shipping places and things like that. So um, it might be a coal in the stocking type of year. I don't know. <laughs> I hope not, but. I mean, I think it may also just be some of those, those negotiations that are still happening in that area of your life. Like, you know, relationships are just really going to be heightened and prominent at this time. And so you've got, you know, this, this retrograde Venus kind of churning back over this point and being like, you know what, that's not a good deal. I, I don't like that. I don't yeah. want our relationship to be like this, or I don't want this to be, you know, how things are. And right. so like the, the conversation over the eggnog may get a little, <laughs> a little heated. Yeah. So just be, be aware that Pluto might bring up some difficult topics at the dinner table uh, for the holiday season. Secrets. Secrets secrets revealed, maybe. Um, But again, the advice I like to give is connecting with the hub, the center of the wheel, rather than always getting tossed and turned by the spokes. Um, Your spiritual, double down on your spiritual practices and your meditative practices, you know, journaling, whatever it is that you Mm -hmm. find peace, Mm -hmm. buy Tanya's products to. to (laughs) (laughs) And find healthy outlets. I think that's the thing, too. Like with all of these energies, you want to try and make a little container for it to flow out into, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's a little technique of kind of creating a place for it to manifest in your life. So it doesn't come up spontaneously. You're like, Oh, like I'm letting this energy out through, you know, through art or through, you know, my sexuality or something where it's like, you have a beautiful expression that's unconventional. So it's not like a scary, gross surprise. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So do all of those things and (laughs) (laughs) add more stuff to your list get super stressed out no don't get super stressed no no i'm kidding it's not our vibe here no it's not i'm not kidding not your vibe all right (laughs) if we move forward to the next day um we are going to be experiencing the last quarter moon um so this is a similar point of crisis to the first quarter moon but it's more of an existential crisis versus a physical one so instead of bringing the crisis of bringing something into being or the, the friction to bring something into being, we're releasing something. So this may be a point where you are finally saying, oh, well, I believe this at the beginning of the lunar cycle, but now this has been revealed to me and now I have to let go of this, this thing, uh, whatever it is, and move forward. And we've got the sun in the first decade of Capricorn, which is that two of, of pentacles energy where we're deciding where we want to be and where we want to to put down roots and where we want to grow. And then the first second of Libra, which really has to do with awareness of injustices. Um, You know, that one was associated with the Uranus or the Furies, so that we may have something that is out of balance around this period of time. And that may be causing us a a little bit of an existential crisis or or some, some challenging headspace on some level. Um, any, any advice on how to reconcile those two types of energies, Tanya? 
Yeah, I mean, I think this is like, you know, with that, that two of pentacles energy and that kind of early Capricorn, you're looking for that path up the mountain. Um, and you have to, it's like if you're beginning an ascent, you have to pick a, a good entry point. Like you have to pick a good place to start. Otherwise, you're going to just be like going over a bunch of rocks and like wasting your energy and kind of like really asking the questions about how does this, is this going to take me where I want to go? Is this in alignment with my values? You know, who am I bringing along? Like you want to kind of like be making your squad or kind of starting to think about like, you know, what you need to like get to the top. Yeah. Who's, who's your, who's your, who's your ride or die? Who's your, yeah. Who's your, who's your Sherpa? <laughs> yeah. Now, a couple of other things that this is actually look shaping up to be an important day. Um, Mercury is going to be making its its evening rise at about nineteen degrees of Capricorn this day. Is it moving that fast? Like, I'm seeing this is at the end of the day. Maybe I need to move these hours. Yeah, it's moving so fast. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Zippity, zippy, yeah, zippy. So so I wanted to to just show you this because it's it's happening at about 19 degrees of of Capricorn. Sorry, thanks for bearing with me. It's my Nordic slowness. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna get there. Eventually. We're gonna get there. And some people are really irritated with how slow I talk and have been have told me as much in the comments section. That's <laughs> but, that's why God gave you the ability to watch things at, at one and a half speed. There you go. If you want the hear, very for the very impatient in right, life. If you want to hear me in this pace, you can do it in real time. If you want to hear me in this pace, <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh this is the uh Heliacal, I'm sorry, the evening rise of Mercury, where we have a separation of 15 degrees between Mercury and the sun. And remember I said earlier about the heliacal rise of Mars, where we had a, an, an important or a tragic accident or, or violent event when Mars emerged from the beams. Well, now Mercury is emerging from the beams after its Kazemi moment at seven degrees of Sagittarius. Um, now we're going to see the sort of the results, the plan, the blueprint of what we were um, basically, mm, what, what we were, the enthusiasm that we were infused with in the first decade of Sagittarius finally finds a, a plan, an architectural form. So this may be where you're getting messages about the blueprint that you're starting to build and you're starting to, to make. And at the same time, Mercury is going to be making a sextile to Neptune. So here is a positive relationship with Neptune and Mercury in a sign where Mercury is a lot more sober. So it's not going to be as confusing as the, the Mercury-Neptune square that we had experienced at the beginning of the month. Um, so just pay attention to the messages that you receive after Christmas and, and whatnot. Um, was this Boxing Day for, for Boxing European Day. friends? Yeah, yeah for um, Canadian and European friends. And, and Lisa says that she appreciates my pace. So thank you, Lisa. I, I, I appreciate you. And Thanks for bearing with my retrograde Mercury in the 12th house in Cancer and, and my Taurus, slow Taurus moon. Um, I, the reason why I think it takes me a while to get the words out is because I try to consider the ramifications of what I'm saying and I reflect before I talk. Um, one of my pet peeves is when people speak before they've actually considered how it's going to make people feel. I will also say that some of this is from 
my father telling me when I was a young person, think before you speak, because young Spencer did not. <laughs> like, you know how many things are going on in my brain as from the notes that I give you. And I would just fire them off in rapid succession as a young person and um, say a bunch of stuff that may have been hurtful. And so now I really measure how I talk so that I'm not hurting people's feelings. So and contemporary Spencer has his moments. That's true. <laughs> Some of you don't see me at my most like fired up mercurial self. Tanya gets to see it, but uh, I can be pretty uh, electric every once in a while off camera. Um, but you know, so it goes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> Saturn approved. Saturn, Saturn tested. Approved. Saturn approved. There you go. Okay, so that is the twenty sixth. We got the evening rise. Pay attention to the messages you receive. Uh, try not to get overwhelmed by the vision. Be very practical. It, this is a fusion, I think, of of the vision and the plan starting to come together. Now we have another big thing to talk about before we end our thing here. Okay, a couple little aspects, but this is the bigger one. Here you can see. On this day, the 28th, our good friend Zeus, a.k.a. Jupiter, is going to be moving into the sign of Pisces. So, this is a pivotal moment for our year. What? No, that's... What the hell happened? Ooh. <laughs> Sorry, my program took us all the way to Jupiter into Taurus. Crazy. There we go. 11.09 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. At the end of the day on, on December the 28th, make the proper adjustments for your particular area. But this is what we've been kind of waiting for. A lot of us have been waiting for. We had a taste of this at the beginning of the year, like I believe may-ish mm -hmm. we had jupiter sticking its toe into pisces where we had a hot little girl. bit of yes yeah, hot girl spring a taste of the vision <laughs> um and this is a, a place where i have mixed feelings about this decade in particular but i do think that it's going to be an improvement um with a caveat so first of all this decade of pisces is a saturn ruled decade so austin Coppock talks a lot about this decade as a labyrinth where we are going into our minds um, after we've been exiled in the the you know Aquarius Saturn area, and now we are you know going into the the regions of our imagination to be able to learn what the spiritual rules of manifestation are. Now that's key because it is a Jupiter ruled sign. It is about manifesting, but from sort of like the neo consciousness in the Matrix. But the first thing that you will experience with this is some kind of discontent. And we can see this in the Eight of Cups. Okay, that is that is Pisces Deccan 1, Eight of Cups, where we're leaving material success behind in search of some kind of animating principle. So you might find yourself, before you get to like the Neo part, you might be looking around and be like, this isn't real you know like that's my best keanu reeves sorry <laughs> whoa we'll work on that whoa <laughs> whoa you know kung fu i know kung fu <laughs> like this so you, you might be getting chased by mr anderson for a while 
and realize that, that this isn't all it's cracked up to be and that you have to go on some kind of inner spiritual journey to, to be able to figure out what is real and what isn't and, and what kind of power you actually have. So don't be surprised if you have a little bit of discontent before you get to the point where you can start like, you know, doing all the weird like, you know, matrixy kung fu stuff. Um, you got to unplug, right? You got to unplug from the matrix first to be able to go back into it with a new realization. So the other, the other caveat I have with this, and then I'll toss it back to you for your, your thoughts and feelings, Tanya, is that Jupiter has been co-present with Saturn during this end of the year. And the first time that we had Jupiter moving into Pisces, literally all the mask mandates were like, they were like, you don't need a mask anymore. And, and, and the pandemic wasn't over. We just had people like acting like it was. And, and Saturn wasn't exerting its like limiting influence on Jupiter anymore. So people were just like throwing a party in the middle of a pandemic. Oh, and, and people started to get vaccinated then. That's true. So that was part of, that was part of the positive part about it. Um, but we've got, I think that what I'm, I'm thinking about here is, you know, there was a conversation between Jupiter and Saturn when they were in the same sign. Now they are in aversion to one another. So they are at cross purposes. It's pure Saturn and pure Jupiter. So you're going to see people that are going off the Jupiterian rails of liberation and freedom and still situations that are requiring uh, Saturnian reserve. And they're going to be happening simultaneously with each other. And that's what I thought we saw at the, at the early spring part when this happened the first time. It's like you had these almost separate realities. People were living in these completely different realities, um, at least compared to what you know you and I were acting as a family and, and the precautions that we were taking. Because we knew that this wasn't over because Jupiter was going to be retrograding. Now, that being said, Jupiter flies through Pisces. Oh, this is like, so fast. Like four and that a half months. That juice is gone so fast. Yeah, it's really fast. <laughs> so it is really cruising right now. So I think that this could be a point in time where your dreams are actually going to manifest way quicker than you may have thought. I was listening to Andrea. I don't know if she's, Andrea, I don't know if she's still here, but she was talking about, I think she has this placement natally. And that her dreams just kind of pop up. Sometimes mm, she just stuff nice. just happens. So I, I do think that if you were dreaming earlier this year, think May, June, um, that dream may come into manifestation very quickly th through over the course of a few months. Um, but but just keep in mind that Saturn's still very strong. Uh, what do you think about this placement and maybe the difference between Piscean Jupiter energy and Satur and Sagittarian Jupiter energy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, you know, I love seeing benefics with just a heck ton of, of dignity. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's such a relief to kind of have something that is so powerful and, and useful kind of in place again. Um, and yes, this is just kind of the start where it's like, to me, when I think about this, this is that kind of first moment when in order to do kind of magical and manifesting things, it's really important to remember that you're living in the matrix. It's important to remember that there's, there's things about reality that you don't see. There's things that are illusions. And that means that you actually like that wall in front of you isn't as solid as you think it is, or as it feels like it is, you know, and that kind of difference between what things may seem like and the kind of deeper energetic or magical nature that you can also relate to. Like there's, there's multiple levels to relate to something on and 
that Jupiter in Pisces makes it really kind of like deliciously easy to kind of like poke your finger through to like something more kind of numinous and, and magical and interesting. I think the difference between the um, Sagittarius and Pisces is kind of an outward versus inward mm-hmm. where it's like the, the fiery kind of like passionate, you know, arrow firing go, go Sagittarius energy is, is one thing. And then you have the kind of more like watery spiritual, like inner power of, of Pisces. Yes. Yes. Sorry. I'm just saying bye to Dimphy here. Thanks for hanging with us, Dimphy. Bye, Dimphy. Um, yeah, the inner versus the internal journey versus the external one, you know, the arrow that is physically moving through the air versus, you know, checking out of reality itself and going on some kind of spiritual, spiritual journey or mission. Um, there's, there's power in both. Right. Like, so, so be careful, I guess the be careful not to get too lost in your mind or in your dream, but also realize that there is power in that, that visioning that internal visioning as well. I mean, I used to be really into like the secret type stuff and like creative visualization. I have a more, much more sober uh, relationship with that, that type of new age philosophy after studying Hellenistic astrology. But I do think there is some little kernels of truth within that where, you know, there is something about putting your mental and emotional energy towards something and being able to see it before it happens on some level. And I think that that's part of Jupiter's power in this, this decan or in, in this sign in general. Mm-hmm. Um, the spirit associated with this decan or the daimon is Okeanos, which is like a great river that surrounds the earth uh, or, the, or the ocean of consciousness on some level. So, so diving into the, the under the underwater space and realizing that there's an entire world under there is important. You know, like it's the, the ocean is so fertile, but it looks so placid on the surface. Like there's nothing going on on the surface generally, but then you get underneath and you're like, Oh, this is a completely different reality under here. So maybe even thinking about it as diving into the ocean of consciousness to be able to, to, to manifest as well. Uh, Rachel says that I'm in a Jupiter perfection year until February and is so interested to see what happens when it finally moves for good out of Saturn sign. Ooh, yeah, that's going to be delish. I think you'll you'll <laughs> be pretty happy with that, Rachel. I think that it, it'll be an improvement and look to the, the Pisces area of your life to see where um, you're going to be getting some good good blessings from from uh, Daddy Zeus. Um, okay, so on the... Making on it the rain. Yeah, making it rain. <laughs> making it rain. So couple more things and we'll finish up on the 29th you see we're gonna have a mercury venus conjunction with with a retrograde venus so maybe having some more conversations about some of the things that were unearthed uh in the um the time period that venus and pluto came together so discussing how to to manage something or to administrate things Mars is also going to be sextiling Saturn on the 29th as well. So an ability to take action that is is based on the long-term future and the long-term vision, Um, moving between worlds. You might be getting some messages from spirit at this point where you're able to infuse them in some kind of vehicle and take take well-thought-out action that moves you forward. And then the last aspect of our month here is on December the 30th, 
where Mercury is going to be conjoining Pluto. So we had Venus making this conjunction and now Mercury's turn is going to happen. And eventually Mercury is going to turn retrograde in Capricorn shortly after. Um, so conversations maybe that may be cathartic, um, you know, really questioning our organizational structures. I think that's what I look to Mercury as, is it's a questioning planet. It really is, is destabilizing things. So those conversations can be fruitful. Mercury moves between worlds and is able to bring back messages. So there may be some messages brought from the underworld for how you want to deal with moving forward with this, you know, Venus retrograde and, and things of that nature. Um, any final thoughts on the month with the transits? And we'll get to the, the, um, the, the animal spirit and then the, uh, the I Ching for the month. Yeah. I mean, I, Mercury, Mercury delivers the mail, like wherever it's pinging, like you're going to get messages kind of for that. Like I, I like Mercury for that reason that it's like a very kind of neutral and slightly mischievous planet because it's yeah. going to just kind of like whatever crowd he's running with, like, that's how he's going to be. Like, <laughs> you know, like you can, Mercury can bring you like a bouquet of flowers or like, you know, a rain of arrows, like it kind of depends on, on what contacts it's making and kind of like how that's shaping up. So we're going to probably be seeing some interesting messages towards the end of December. Yeah. And getting ready for Venus's Kazemi, the beginning of the month there of January, you know, mark this date down as far as Jupiter and Pisces goes. There's mm -hmm. a new moon on March the 2nd of 2022, where Jupiter is going to be the host of the sun and the moon in the second decan of Jupiter or the second decan of Pisces, which is a, a little bit more fortunate decan. It's the Jupiter decan um, than the first one. Uh, so there's going to be some powerful manifestation energy in, in uh, March the 2nd. And then you may see some of that really come to, to a head on uh, the 30th of April. There is a solar eclipse in Tor the second decan of Taurus and a, and a Venus-Jupiter conjunction at 27 degrees of Pisces, which is the, the exaltation degree of, of Venus. So marking those dates on my calendar, and I've been giving a heads up to people that have been coming in for transit work, that those are powerful manifestation dates for sure. It's going to um, be something. Yes. So those are the transits. We're back on the, the big screen here. Tell us about the hummingbird, Tanya. That was the animal of the month. The hummingbird. Animal of the month. Do, 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 do. So, I mean, hummingbirds are crazy because you, you think about them as these kind of like little glittering fairy-like creatures, but they're actually pretty hardcore. Mm -hmm. Like they have the largest brains of any of the birds relative to their very small body mass. Wow. And that's a, that's a big part because they, they need to have so much working memory they have kind of like better memories than lots of other birds because they have to retain kind of like the paths to food sources. Mm -hmm. They have to eat half their body weight every day. Otherwise they perish because their metabolisms are so fast. So they're very, very food focused. So they have yeah. excellent memories for, you know, the locations of things when things are coming into flower. They also remember complex migratory patterns based on food sources, mm. um, which is really neat. Um, and they're, they're very territorial. So the males will will fight like like bonkers to defend their territory because that food is so important. 
Um, and partly because of their dependence on such a high caloric intake, um, they're one of the few species of birds that actually do something called torpor, which is like sleeping or hibernation. So if the temperature gets too low or food sources aren't um, as abundant as they need to be, they'll go into this kind of like sleep-like state where they, they slow down their metabolism and they, they don't move. And so they're, they're just resting until the conditions improve and they can take flight again. Right. And their flight is something that is, of course, one of the most remarkable Amazing. things about them. Yeah. So they're, they're yeah. unlike other birds, their wings move in a figure eight pattern. And that enables them to get, get lift both on the up and down stroke of their wings, which makes them incredibly fast. They can fly, you know, 30 miles an hour, kind of like at a normal, normal thing, but then they'll do dives and they'll get like 45, 50 miles an hour. Like if wow. they're like fighting or doing a courtship dive so they can get incredibly fast. Um, everything about them is so fast. Their, their heartbeat can go up to, I think, well, I want to say 1200 beats a minute while they're exerting themselves. So crazy, crazy fast. And um, they just have like so much to do with, with speed and, and power like the males will stab each other in the throats if they're like fighting. <laughs> like you think of them as these like little princess yeah. things, but they're, they're really aggressive. Like yeah. they don't like other hummingbirds. <laughs> Rachel is saying hummingbirds are portrayed as very strong fighters in a lot of Caribbean folk tales. Exactly. That's exactly. Really they're, they're tiny warriors and they're yeah. so small. They're the smallest birds in the world. Um, they, they have one of the, the smallest bird in the world is the, um, I think it's called the, the bee, the hummingbird, the hummingbird bee or the bee, bee hummingbird. And it's like, it weighs like 1.6 grams, which for us Americans, like that's like a quarter of a teaspoon of sugar. <laughs> tiny, <laughs> tiny, but mighty. Tiny, tiny, right. but mighty. They, they, the females make the nests. They only lay two eggs, um, you know, because they're so small. Like they just, there's not that much room in your body for eggs. <laughs> so they're just, they have two, they like, you know, hone in on kind of like protecting their, their reproductive resources. So like two eggs and they watch those eggs. So what I'm hearing is that they are very flexible in the way, the direction that they can fly. Mm -hmm. So flexibility is coming in. Mm -hmm. Some, we may have to make a sprint to do something very quickly, potentially. Mm -hmm. And the I Ching talks about that. I'll get to that in a second and be careful not to get into territorial battles with people and just let your beauty shine. Just let people enjoy mm -hmm. being a beautiful little and joyful. Rest, rest with rest if you need to. Right. So adapt, you know, mm -hmm. find, find some time to have some peace and some joy and um, cultivate lightness of being on some level. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and even if you're starting from a smaller place, you know, you're, you can still be a mighty warrior even if you're the, the smallest bird out there right okay so we've got the hummingbird giving us some some oracular messages um andrea is saying uh, in regards to jupiter in pisces it's almost like the hermit card where we expose ourselves to the pilgrimages away from the temple into the world to find the truth where we talk about that first decade of pisces yeah i, I like that the mm, pilgrimage to go nice. find meaning that's good um, so the, the I Ching that I got for this week was number 15, which translates to modesty, humility, humbleness, uh, moderation, temperance, fulfilling one's duties, 
carrying things to through to completion, which is very Sagittarius three. Uh, and there is a changing line number five before we change into the hexagram number 39 obstruction limping stumbling adversity impediment difficulty self reflection surmounting internal obstacles that seems to reflect some of the maybe the Venus retrograde things potentially or the you know having some obstacles of the Saturn Uranus square potentially now line number five says note and this is from Jack M Balkin's translation of the I Ching says no need to use wealth to influence one's neighbors it is advantageous to attack the rebellious with force there is nothing that is not beneficial so some of the notes that they talk about in various translations of this say that uh whole you know modesty is important and and that is it's important to be humble but there's you know certain times when you need to do things quietly, but there's sometimes when strong efforts need to be made and measures need to be taken to achieve the goal. And we can see that with Sagittarius two and three. It's okay to be assertive like a hummingbird, um, but you don't have to boast or flaunt your power. Um, you can kind of assess your situation calmly and then act with firmly and with, with decisiveness. So I think that this is something where just humbly go about your business you may have to do a little bit of sprinting, you know, like Sagittarius style, but then eventually, you know, you can carry out your business without fanfare, which is sort of like the Capricorn way that they're not really into like announcing all the things. They just do what needs to be done. Right. And you'll get to mm -hmm. that. And I want to say thank you to Jody for the super chat sticker. Thank you for your donation. That was very generous. There is a little dollar sign at the at the in the chat if you want to make a donation to the show it's called a super chat or a super sticker and that's a new feature of uh having a thousand subscribers on the youtube channel so thank you so much for that jody appreciate that um tanya any thoughts about this iching reading oracular reading we have here yeah i mean i think it really goes back to kind of what we were talking about before with just conserving your energy and making choices about kind of like where you build your empire. Like this is such a great time of year for just really like reflecting on where you've been and kind of starting to like, not necessarily make big decisions, but start to kind of do a little bit of that visioning and like do a little bit of kind of that starting to think about the hypotheticals and think about your, your plans and contingency plans, you know, just start to kind of get a vision for what your next direction is gonna be. Um, and just then be ready to be ready. Like that's kind of the heart of, you know, building things and manifestation, I think, is you need to kind of like lay the groundwork. Like mm -hmm. you can't just dream about things and kind of let them exist in your mind where they're, they're perfect and unblemished. And like, you know, you did it, you get the trophy every time, but you get to go where you want to go, but you have to take that first step in the real world. Yeah. Yeah. Man, this has been a marathon. We we have gotten through, I think, with some great <laughs> reflections. I always appreciate your wisdom, Tanya. I get to hear a lot of this stuff every day in, in the house, and I'm so happy to be able to share you with people here and, and for people to be able to benefit from your wisdom as well. Um, I'm looking at the chat box here. People are appreciating the hummingbird and the reflection on, on their size and tiny but mighty. Angela's talking about it's interesting info about the hummingbirds and beautiful insights in general. Thank you, Angela, for that reflection as well. 
Um, and thank all of you for being with us here today. Um, I know that we go on a deep dive on these monthlies. Usually we go two and a half to three hours. So thank you for sticking that out with us. Thanks for those who have donated. If you want to make a material donation to the work that I do here, you can buy me a coffee at, at the link that is in the description of the video, or you can do a super chat or a super sticker. And that is another way to support the show. Please visit Tanya at thirdcoastmojo.com and support her uh, her root work and her magical offerings. She has all these great Venus stuff right now, and there's more to come. Um, she has a full-time job, so be patient with all of that, but she's very good at what she does. I, I get to experience some of these ritualistic things. I help with the pick elections sometimes, but she is very knowledgeable on the astrology as well and scrubs for those elections and uh, really takes the work seriously and is is very good at what she does. So I've been, like I said, I've been wearing a lot of these materia and it really does, uh, it works and it, it, it helps you to feel um, really good. I think there's some really important things, especially just depending on what the purpose of it is, like if it's a Mercury election or a Venus one, it's good stuff. Highly recommend. Thanks, Dave. Yes, you know, well, I'm biased, <laughs> but you know, it, it's a, uh, it's, it's good stuff, and I can vouch for it in all honesty. So, and if you want to reach out for a reading, uh, I'm my books are open for December. I want to give you all a heads up that I will be raising my rates in January. So this will be the last few weeks that you'll be able to get my rates at the, the rates that they are now. Um, you know, at different points of our journey here, we there's things like inflation and supply and demand and things like that. I'm giving myself a little bit of a raise uh, next year for all the work that I do. I try to pack an enormous amount of value in those readings. And uh, so get while the getting's good before I raise my rates on January the 1st. So thank you all again. Please hit that like button, that subscribe button, share it with your friends. I appreciate all of you from all the corners of the globe. That is one of the things that I'm so grateful for this season is just all of you and being able to build this channel and this, um, I don't know, this experience with all of you. So thanks again for being here and being a part of it. And uh, we will see you the next time. I'm going to have another guest coming up for the eclipse probably next Thursday. It's a good friend of mine that I met at UAC uh, 2018. Um, so I will be announcing that shortly. Get on the mailing list to be able to know when that's going to go down. So we will see you all next time. Thanks again. Be kind to one another. Be kind to yourself. And we'll take, we'll take care, okay? All right. Peace, everyone. Thanks, everybody.